my dog. He's six years old. He's probably got another four or five years left in him. He's not moving around too well. And when he's in too much pain, and it's too painful for him to walk around and live a happy life, I'm going to take him and I'm going to put him down because I love him. And it was one year ago I tried to put you down like a dog because I love you. And your body got the message, but your brain didn't get the message. You want another shot, Nikki? I'll give you one last shot. It's gonna be title versus your career. Welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 28. Once again with us, Mr. John J. Wolf. How are you doing tonight, John? Once again, I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, still a little tired from school today, but overall doing good. And actually just waiting to cover this uh, Fight Club Night 1. I'm actually kind of excited because quite a few things to say on this show. Good and stuff I think is noteworthy that to bring up just to make it aware for people out there. Uh, night one was from the Garden Pier, which is right next to uh, the showboat. They had it outside because they had a double booking on Fight Club, which is pretty funny that they had a kickboxing show going on in the showboat while this show was going on. So that's why they moved it outside to the pier in Atlantic City, New Jersey. But I actually did like the whole outside feel and look of it, especially as the kind of night yes. went on. What did you think of the outside, have it being outside? Okay, so... That was something I was going to mention. So that was really good to, to bring that up, though. A beautiful backdrop of the ocean. I don't think you can disagree with me there. Like that beautiful blue. It was just fantastic. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little. And I think it was Emil that mentioned it. But the spooky dust that comes out of those light tubes looks absolutely fantastic against that black night sky because you can see every yep. little particle as it goes through. So I, I really like that a lot. Um, it was 56 degrees out there. That's freezing coming off of, uh, you know, if you've ever had any of that wind that comes off the ocean, it gets a little cold. Yeah, they did. I saw that you could see their breasts uh, throughout the night as they're taking breasts uh, wrestling. You can see kind of it in the air, which I thought was pretty cool. 
Um, and Emil's like, I'm outside. I, I did like that part too. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I'm in Atlantic City. Like how he said, I'm outside. So that, I did. I very much like that part. Um, within, I, I do like if you're going to be at the same spot two nights, and you could do one night outside, and it's not too big a deal, which I don't think it seemed to be because they kind of announced that the last second, but maybe they was in the kind of in the plans, and they were just kind of were going to spring that on the fans um, a couple of days prior. So I didn't mind having night one being outside because it was added cool looks, and then um, night two. And we were at inside. home. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, we weren't freezing. And it kind of reminded <laughs> me of like when Gage first confronted or Moxie first confronted Gage for the first time in GCW in the ring when they had the collective outside. So I kind of liked how the whole outside presentation kind of felt into kind of the storyline of how the match was going to be, not the, how the match yeah, was going to be yeah. but added more to the match because it kind of had the same to me, the look that as it did when they first kind of got into it, but that is the main event and we will go into, uh, Oh, you want to go over your pre-show remarks first before we head in? My only other pre-show remark in this was the fact that there was a uh, Gage Moxley promo. Like you said, it felt very similar. Yeah. I'll take it. It was nice to have a hype video. It's absolutely fantastic. I believe we may have heard one at the beginning of this. And just listening to the audio, it's so hype. So I loved it. Yeah, uh, it did. Uh, right away, I was like, is this the same exact video that they did last year? I was like, oh, goodness. I got kind of worried there because... It is kind of a replay from Fight Club Night One 2021 as Nick Gage yeah. defended the belt against. Oh, uh, no. No, Moxley was a champion at that time. So, uh, uh, kind of the same main event match. So, like, when I first saw the video, I was like, I thought it was the same exact one, but they did splice in the promo that Nick Gage and Moxley had at Black Label Pro, which I thought was pretty cool. They did mix in new con new video and new update packages, but for the most part, like every time you see Nick Gage in the jail cell, it looks like it's the same exact footage that they took last year, which is fine because they updated it, as you said. So I didn't mind yeah. it, and it kind of added a cool way to start the night off and get kind of amped for the main events coming on later in the evening. And we go into the first match of the evening which turned into a scramble match. And this is kind of one thing I did want to kind of like, it did kind of annoy me a little bit because I was kind of looking forward to the originally planned match. And I don't think why they, or I don't think they announced why the change was made or anything, but the original planned match was supposed to be Gringo Loco versus Blake Christian. And those were the first two competitors that came out. And then I kind of got shocked when I saw it kind of turn into a scramble as Jimmy Lloyd, Shane Mercer, and B-Boy ended up coming out right after uh, Blake and Gringo. And so a singles match that I was kind of looking forward to watching turned into a scramble, and it just didn't make any sense to me because you still had both competitors there. And I've seen in the past where, hey, if one of the, like, if it's a big singles match, one competitor doesn't make it or can't wrestle for some reason that night, then they turn that one into the scramble match. But they still had both Gringo and Blake in, so I... Don't know. I don't. Did you hear anything on commentary on why that was changed or anything? Or did they just kind of go right into it? Because from my end, I didn't hear anything. No, I, I honestly didn't hear anything. And I, I try to pay attention to that a lot. Um, by even what you were saying there, I didn't even know it was just going to be a one on one. But I understand why you were looking forward to that contest. Yeah. And I went back to even double check myself because like I after Blake, uh, sorry, after Gringo came in or I think he was the second one, Gringo. Um, I went to go grab we ordered pizza for the <laughs> for the event. So I went and kind of grab a slice. And then I hear like I think it was Jimmy Lloyd was third. And I'm like, why is Jimmy Lloyd's music playing? And then I see yeah. Shane Mercer come out <laughs> B-Boy. I'm like, 
Okay, so like as the match started with those five competitors, I hopped on my phone and I didn't see them announce the change to that match. They didn't say, hey, it's turned into a scramble. And I had to double check myself and I scrolled on their Twitter for a long time and found the picture and the announcement of them. It was just supposed to be a one-on-one. So yeah, I was kind of shocked. And then the match started and it turned into a scramble apparently. And uh, I don't want to say kind of what happens. I know we'll kind of get there. And then when it gets there, I'll kind of chime back in. But uh, yeah, what was your kind of thoughts on the beginning to the scramble match? Yeah, the beginning was five men starting off. Blake was getting heavy booze again very early. I put here I'm clueless. Oh, yeah, I, forgot I know that. that I, I my only inkling is I think that there was a lot of play into a heel character. And then when he came out against uh, Moxley, he turned face. Um, he just came out face and it made absolutely no sense. Otherwise, the only other thing I can think of is that he has a contract possibly coming up. I can't think of another reason why they'd boo a person so much. Um, I don't see it. I don't mind it, but it definitely takes over the show because for me, it's a little bit of a mindfuck. Um, but either way, the, the boys get starting here and music plays and people are like, what in the hell is that? Leo fucking Rush comes out. He is unretired again. I don't care how many times he's retired. I'll take it. Leo comes out and he's completely eyeballing Blake, which I knew was going to come anyway. We had fuck him up, Leo. Fuck him up chance going on. Um, you're right. This match should have just been a one on one with Leo coming out. But I th- maybe just Leo wanted to wrestle. Maybe he just wanted to perform. I don't know. Well, I do know he was announced for this. Uh this card so i thought i didn't see any match announced for him so i thought it was maybe going to be a scramble with those competitors with leo in it and leave blake and green go out of it that's kind of like my biggest gripe and like i don't understand if those two competitors announced one-on-one and there was no explanation to the scramble other than okay hey we got these other four we don't really have anything to them like i thought maybe just throw in a quick little four-way scramble like doesn't always have to be five six whatever i wouldn't have seen a nice four-way match between those four competitors and leave Blake and Gringo kind of do their own thing one-on-one. But um, yeah, I got excited. I am a huge Leo Rush fan. I was the same thing as you said. I started to kind of get off of that train myself of like him retiring, unretiring, retiring or taking breaks, whatever it is, because it was frustrating for a while. But once he kind of did the same thing at Hammerstein, I remember getting upset at Hammerstein when he mm-hmm. didn't come out and wrestle uh and that and he was supposed to be in the the scramble the ladder scramble he wasn't in that one so i was like oh why is he in the scramble oh he backed out again but when he came out later to uh fill in for gresham against blake christian at hammerstein as a kind of a surprise uh entrant i was like i i I have it on camera like i take back everything i just said because i was like bitching complaining like leo rush quit again i was so excited to see him like this is bullshit and then like 30 minutes later i love you leo thank you for coming back (laughs) so i kind of had that same feeling i was like oh okay blake or leo's introduced in this match and as you said yeah he went one-on-one right away into uh blake christian but i had flashbacks to last year's fight club as it was alex zane ninja mac um I forgot who the third competitor was, or maybe maybe Leo was the third competitor, but they kind of started the match off the same way with a couple mm-hmm. competitors, and now midway, or not midway, but a couple minutes into the match, Leo just makes a surprise return and shows up, so it's, once yeah. again, That's starts to feel like repetitive, like, why is it, feels like Fight Club 2021 again, but as you said, I was happy for Leo Rush uh, getting back in there, it was a fun match, B-Boy, looking, B-Boy looks like old B-Boy, and it feels yeah. very nice to see that. 
East Coast B-Boy. I really do like that. Yeah, I'm yeah, kind of glad he is getting on the East Coast, as you said. Yeah, we were getting a lot of fuck you, Blake chance. Um, this was damn near a Blake and Leo match. It, it could have really been that because it had taken all the attention off of everyone else. Overall, it was a Blake-centered match, offensive and defensive. He was in the ring, I think, more than most anyone else during oh, yeah. this scramble. Um, although others were in and they all did a great job, the majority of this match was just focused on the drama. And it was thick. <laughs> so I'm really surprised they even put a damn scramble on because all this dense, thick cloud really did you know, cover the sunshine of this freaking scramble match. Yeah, I I was like really surprised too. Like, why didn't you just keep it a like maybe turn it into a Leo Rush takes out Gringo and it's like, no, you don't get Blake. I want my hands on him again because it seemed like they dominated their whole storyline in this match. And I don't hate it, but I have seen it quite a few times. Um, hmm. I would kind of like those two to stay separate and maybe go two on to different things and we might see that as uh we cover night two on the next episode but um yeah i just didn't understand why they leo came back they still haven't announced why he's going after blake again even when he did commentary on his original turn in la they kind of never really made fully mention other than leo just like i'm here to scout the talent scout the talent that's all he really said so i don't right. know where they're going with it i don't mind seeing leo rush back it was nice seeing jimmy lloyd shane mercer and b-boy at least get some time on to night one so i didn't mind that i just i don't know this i right away i was kind of thrown off and i never really connected throughout the rest of the match other than it was good and fun seeing leo rush but just a lot of stuff didn't make sense to me but that could just be a me thing it doesn't doesn't really matter though one of the things i'm thinking because it looks like one year what you're saying is one year ago some of these things had just recently Mm -hmm. you know those that happened before the only thing i can say because i'm starting to realize that we have a lot of new GCW people. I'm thinking maybe they brought that out because it was just so well done before they did it again. And I'm starting to also realize that in the middle of matches is how Leo likes to come out a lot too. He even did that in AEW. He came out. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking that may be just his style. I'm trying to think when he, well, I mean, I'm sure a couple of times he's came out, you know, on his first match somewhere, debut match somewhere, but it seems like he does that a lot. I'm guessing that might be his style. I'm not and I, sure. And I don't mind it because it is sometimes a nice surprise. Like even this was a surprise seeing him. But like, oh, yeah. I, like I said, it just a lot of things just didn't make sense to me for on the periphery of the match. In ring, it was a fun scramble. Everybody did mm-hmm. really good. Fun seeing all the fun spots. But I just like all the stuff outside periphery kind of took the enjoyment away from me. But um I did get a little bit more happier as Leo Rush did pick up the victory as he hits a frog splash onto Jimmy Lloyd. And uh, yeah, then Blake and Leo just once again, just have those stare downs and face off. Yeah. yeah like, what are you going to do? I'm back I'm here for you or so. I don't know. Like it just, I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I would just I like think... to see Leo and Blake kind of branch off from each other. Give me Leo versus Nick Wayne or Leo versus Jordan. Well, Leo versus Jordan has been done too, but. I think, as you said, with all the new competitors, I think there's a lot more fresh matchups and stories they could go. Oh, I think they'll get there soon, too. Um, let's hope that this one's the blow-off. I don't know if I want to call it the blow-off, but I hope this one is the main, this is the peak of all of it. Um, the reason why I kind of got thrown off here is I'm looking at my next note because I wanted to kind of mention it. Uh, I noticed we have no color commentary, just play-by-plays. In this, we have two play-by-plays. Normally, wrestling has a color and a play-by-play situation. The only issue here is that 
Nick has a really soft voice and it's more like a, an NPR style voice. And Prezak, it's almost like they're twins or brothers. So we're getting two of the same thing, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but part of the magic of Prezak was that he had a color commentator to bounce off of. He was the one who kind of reeled it back in. It was like it was like just the color, the, the fan's voice versus somebody going, all right, here's our the guy that brings it back to reality. And I just only wanted to mention that um, maybe not two play by play guys, because I was watching this show. It was fantastic. Uh, it was nice that they brought Emil in because I know Emil helps a lot. But again, his his knowledge is so play by play. So we had a lot of play by play in the commentary. And I'd like to see a, a caller commentator get brought in. Yeah, that's all. I, I like uh, I told you beforehand before we talk, started the podcast. Like I thought that was MLJ for the first match or two, and I remember because I watched this one with my wife, and I was just like, "Hey, like Emil's voice is gonna be shot if he has to do all the ring announcing in the ring and do commentary outside and do the GCW in cold weather. show and then do another GCW show the next night." I was like, "Emil's gonna be shot," but it took me two matches to realize, like, "Oh, that's not Emil. That's." acknowledge like i was totally that's how like the sound sounded to me was mlj and yeah um i'm kind of glad mlj didn't have to do all that work because yeah he would have had no voice yeah, for he'd been shot. but um once again i think with missing kg with the energy it just affected kind of the beginning the first like 10 minutes of this card i was like i was like ups and downs i was like oh cool nick age video oh it's the same one oh they added different stuff okay i get ringo blake no i don't i get a scramble so that sucks Oh, I get Leo Rush. Okay, he comes back. That's exciting. It's just right, like, right. I was at a mountain of like a peaks and valleys here during this first couple uh 15, 20 minutes of the night. But uh in ring, it was fantastic. I just don't understand some of the outside stuff that to me didn't need to happen and kind of took away from what could have been a pretty cool match between and, I, and Blake. I want to be fair to Nick too, because I will say that he does he has grown. He has a lot better of an understanding of how GCW works now. And he does have a lot of knowledge on the play-by-play. I do see that a yeah. lot. The, the issue is, is we have this young, fresh company, and the play-by-play is primarily two men that are much older, and it sounds like two much older men, and I don't think it connects with the 20-some-year-old crowd out there. Yeah, that That's could, it. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's the energy levels, but yeah, I can see the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, said, energy but, level. Yeah. There you go. It should be, hey, welcome to da-da-da-da. And it's more like, hi, welcome to Sus. We're such and such. Yep. Thank you for coming out tonight. We're here for this. And the, no, welcome to this coming out tonight. Da-da-da-da-da. I mean, like, really, enunciate. We're here. We're fucking happy to be here. That's, you know, thank you for coming. Da-da-da-da. Like, nobody has the case. Whoever was there didn't have the capability to do that outside of Emil. And KG for me on, on, uh, Oh, but I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. who was there. Yeah. Yeah. That night it would have been Emil. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, no, I just wanted to mention that because I, I think it would be something worth mentioning. I think if we had Nick knowledge alone with a color commentator, it would be fantastic. If we had praise alone color commentator, but we have two play by plays together and the excitement for such an important show should be, well, let's just say, I mean, anybody can change and both of those men are quite capable up, the, up the levels of excitement. I do enjoy Nick on the JCW shows. Cause like, yeah, to me, yeah. is, even though it's a lot of GCW talent, the feel obviously feels a little bit different. Not everything needs to be as important with JCW. And I, I really like how he does the JCW shows because it's just a different level of excitement 
as a fan for me, how I feel watching JCW and GCW shows for most yep. of them. There are some, obviously, when we cover some of these JCW shows, they're just as good and the GCW shows that happened that week. So, um, yeah, good. Interesting way to start off the night. Good in-ring action for match number one. Match number two of the evening, we have Shun Skywalker going against Nick <laughs> fucking Wayne. And I yeah. have never seen anything on Shun Skywalker, but just the name alone, I was very excited to see what we had in store. And him and Nick Wayne, pretty fun match. I was like... Nick Wayne, you can still see kind of sh- uh, injuring that shoulder, nursing that shoulder injury, but um, yeah, yeah, he's still. I, I think you made mention on one of the last shows, his legs, his feet work is still fast as shit. So he hasn't really lost anything, maybe except some strength and some of these punches and chops and stuff that I've kind of noticed when he does like the forearm spots. There doesn't seem to be as much power behind it, which I think if it's intentionally brilliant, if it's not intentional, you can play it off as hey, he's hurt. That's why he doesn't have the power behind it. So. Um, this was for me a very fun match. Nice introduction to Shun Skywalker. What was your thoughts on this match? So you could tell the physicality from Wayne wasn't there a hundred percent because there were moves that would require him to fall or put weight on certain areas that probably wasn't the best for him. It's not like I know the extent of the injury, but he's still playing it up to a degree if it's not real, but it looks very obvious. Uh, Skywalker was fast. He was the obvious heel from the beginning. Now, the one thing that I love that Randy Orton does, funny thing that I'm going to mention here that Skywalker does, is that there is not a lot of wasted movement. When Skywalker is walking somewhere, he's going there to do something. When he does a move, he does it. There isn't any unnecessary feet movement walking around. And I know this is being picky, and this is someone who's watched a long time saying this, but... Yeah, I really like the fact that coming from someone, he, he just he doesn't have to do much to do a lot. I don't have a better way to put that. But yeah, Skywalker was in control for most of the match. It was minimal Wayne offense, honestly. It was a solid competition. And I really do want to see Skywalker back. And I just found out that he will be back for sure in Detroit at Harpo's. Yeah, that's going to be a forward great to that. match. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to it. After seeing uh, Skywalker this this night um, against Nick Wayne, I, I was one of those things. I said the same thing. Like I, I wouldn't mind seeing him again in a GCW ring because he just feels different. The name, the yeah. look, yeah. his in-ring style. Like I, I liked everything. His whole presentation and even in-ring work was fantastic. And yeah, this was a nice, fun Back and forth match. Um, as you said, Nick Wayne barely had any offense. He seemed to be on the on the defense a lot, which is fine. Um, I doesn't need to dominate every match. He kind of he got his cool spots in. He did the the pop the fisherman suplex with the pop up bridge. I love seeing that. Um, and he sold very good. I think with to to Skywalker, which yeah, which was all like he's as we talked about before. His selling's gotten so much better. His emotions you can see it on his face and to telling a better story in the ring uh, with all the punishment he's been taken of as of late. But yeah, I have nothing really negative to say during this match. Um, I just like either if Nick Wayne's really hurt and that's why he's not getting those punches in, or if he's just doing that on purpose, like I just like how the injury part you could tell is affecting him, but they're playing it in storyline and match wise and <laughs> they're targeting the arm and the upper body and stuff. So I, I enjoyed this match and I definitely want to see, uh, Skywalker again because he reminded me of a little bit of a Nick Wayne, a little bit of a speedball. I think he even did like speed speedballs like backflip into on Nick Wayne. Like, yeah, that's like yeah. a speedball move I always see. Um, oh, I got had one. a lot to offer. 
that that one on my notes right there the clout cutter that nick wayne tried to uh yeah. perform he caught that shit and put it into a german suplex yep. i'm like my god man yeah him and commander is going to be fantastic if we yeah yeah <laughs> skywalker does pick up the victory as he uh hits nick wayne with the sbs and 10 minute match it felt fun i don't think it needed to go as long especially with nick wayne being injured um entertaining second match of the night and like i i wasn't surprised on it but i felt like pleasantly surprised watching skywalker because i never seen him but just i like the name the look the mask the shirt the outfit the tassels uh him coming out like i think he, he came out kind of like mocking the gcw kind of crowd a little bit too if i'm not mistaken yeah I could, yeah could be wrong but uh i i like i like skywalker he, he adds something a different element in my eyes to uh the GCW roster. They they played off of each other really well. And at the end, Skywalker was booed because he was a heel, but he was kind of given claps and cheers as he left. He was really appreciated for coming and giving his uh giving his performance that night. Yes. I definitely look forward to seeing him and Commander too. As you said in Detroit, I think that's where you said that's gonna be Yes. That's gonna be one to watch out for. Our third matchup of the evening is a matchup between Sawyer, Wreck, and Alley Catch. And I, for the next match that these two wrestlers I wanted to see, as we kind of talked about, perfect. I, this was a matchup I wanted to see uh, Alley Catch kind of have a crazy, violent match against Sawyer, Wreck, and Sawyer, Wreck kind of stepping up to the plate against GCW. This was like, in my mind, I had JCW versus GCW in this matchup as they're kind of like the more well-known women on each roster, the more popular women on each roster as well. And seeing kind of like their trajectories of Alley Catch kind of fighting back in the scene and trying to recover from losing the tag title matches. Uh, sorry, tag titles. And then Sawyer Wreck on her projection of just keep on improving, improving, improving. I thought this was going to be a fun matchup with... Uh, a lot of violence possibly and yeah it did get violent and this was yeah i enjoyed this match it was perfect for these two women i thought it was just a perfect combination perfect timing like magic it was perfect magic time to or time to make magic and i thought they did a really good job we'll seeing Allie in her poison apple gear i'm kind of a secret little not anymore <laughs> secret but a disney fan and i love seeing that oh Allie, i get it that's what that was I yeah that was the poison not, apple i Got it. Oh, and so yeah. we if we go back to him, sorry to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I did. No. I just learned something there. And going back to the impact when she wore that gear, firstly, an impact. I remember telling you like, hey, how come they get the new gear and not us? I didn't even notice it. I just thought uh, it was just green and red. I didn't even notice yeah. the poison apple. And that makes sense because an impact Master Slamovich picked her. To go against Jordan Grace in a pick your poison match. So I that's like right. It. Very good. I like yeah, I learned something yeah. new every day. Sorry. Yeah, that shit was fantastic. So what what uh kind of ticked it what kind of got me, the kind of clue was on the back of her pants there. You could see the green was kind of shaped like eyes and it was kind of evil and it was on that red background. That is definitely what it was. It it was kind of like cool. It. Yeah. Um, Allie did the whole kiss me thing, which was okay. It's kind of, you've seen it. You've seen it. Um, she got beat on extensively by Sawyer, which was really cool to see. She was mostly in control. Sawyer, I'm sorry, was mostly in control in this match. It was an eight minute ass beating. There was a spot where Doris had come out 
And Sawyer does this thing where she kisses Allie on the top rope because obviously Allie wants that kiss. So she finally got it. But there were basically Allie kind of jumped not too hot off of the top and didn't really like the choke slam just didn't go off well. The door didn't break. And um yeah, just I'll just yeah. Sawyer wreck ended up with the pin. She she uh, rolled up Allie for the one, two, three. It was a quick eight minute match. I wish I had more notes on it. Primarily, though, they brawled and it's hard for me to just put down punch, punch, kick, kick kind of thing. They they really did put on a good little eight minute match. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention really what was noteworthy and those things I felt were the best. Yeah, I, this one didn't get as violent as I thought they would. Um, I yeah. was kind of maybe a, expecting maybe a surprise, someone pulling out a light tube. Kind of like, oh, the crowd's like, kind of shocked the crowd because not, not, none of the fuckery and all that stuff was out there before the match. But I was thinking maybe like one of them would go underneath the ring. I was like, all right, time to amp this up a little bit. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised it was shorter. I thought it was going to be kind of a little bit longer. I thought there was, this was going to be a little bigger spot for these two women to kind of as you said, all the offense was pretty much Sawyer wreck. And I thought this was um, going to be one of these matches that shows how much Sawyer has improved and gotten, gets a little bit more violent. And I was kind of thinking that the violence would happen because Sawyer would use it to kind of beat Alley catch. And that would kind of knock, knock Alley catch into like, Hey, I just lost against a JCW competitor, even though Sawyer Rex wrestled for GW and kind of like storyline where Ali Catch is like, all right, I'm at the bottom here. I lost to someone here. I'm no longer the queen of GCW. It might be a, a new queen Good point. to be the leader of GCW in the women's division. So I might have to build myself back up and kind of uh, work my way back to the top. Um, that could still happen. I, uh, I kind of quickly remember uh, Sawyer Rex did pick pin Ali after that choke slam up uh, from the top rope. But I I enjoyed it. It was it didn't get as violent as what it was, but I think for storyline and elevating Sawyer, which pretty much this entire match was, I think it definitely served its purpose. I think Sawyer Wreck, um, you might be seeing a lot more of her uh in GCW, which I'm fine for. We get to see her grow in front of her eyes, but um I just wonder where Ali Catch goes from here after this match. And kinda it feeds into the storyline the next night, which I won't spoil, but even on night two. Um, I think there's something that we were kind of saying, hopefully alley catch or something for alley catch. And it seems like there might be yeah. something coming up here, which might kind of help her get back on track to being the queen bitch of GC as I think Sawyer wreck after this match kind of took that crown from her. Oh yeah. I think that's a lot bigger than commentary made it. Sawyer beat alley catch. We don't, I mean, come on. That's our, that's our lady. And Sawyer put her down. I think that's something. Yeah, that's something it needs to be. We put more on it, I think, than commentary did. Um, I'm just thinking, like, I just, yeah. as we watch these matches, you know, I'm, like, as by now, all the listeners out there hopefully know and you know, I'm as the match is happening, I'm just fantasy booking, okay, where are they going to go from here? What can they do? Oh, this would be cool. Yeah. My mind yeah. is going a lot of different places. And then I, that's kind of where I ended up. And then I kind of like how the next night we might see this kind of thought being uh, put into reality. Yeah, good work though. They did good work. Yeah, I I didn't mind this match. It was enjoyable. I just kind of was hoping for a little bit more violence, but maybe we'll see that down the line. Into our fourth match, we go as our favorite lovable asshole, Tony Deppin, goes one on one with Yamato, and this was my first time seeing Yamato. I kind of seen like little clips, mostly not in ring, but like just his character and kind of like some. 
not vignettes that he's done, but kind of a more not in ring kind of work. So I was interested in him because he does seem like he's has like a most interesting man of Japan kind of feel to me of how he's like looking down on GCW, looking down at the competitors, looking down at the fans. And he's just kind of like, really, this is what I walked into here, you guys. Um, and I liked how right away Tony Depp and didn't even wait for to go out to the ring. He just grabbed the first fans. He saw glasses and broke them. <laughs> my, wife, my wife even goes like, I hope they weren't his real glasses. Like, I'm pretty sure they're not. But with Tony, who knows? Like, who knows if they yeah. were or not? But uh, I liked that. I thought this was going to be a very interesting match and seeing now how y- Yamoto kind of uh, his gimmick kind of was and his look and stuff. I thought this was kind of a good stylistic matchup. Deppin's new haircut looks good. I wanted to say he came out fresh. <laughs> and uh, I noticed between these two, there was a long feeling out process, a lot of back and forth wrestling. I'm counting, I mean, three, four minutes of this eight and a half minute match. Were these two really having a, a real wrestling match, an old school back and forth, the part of the match that makes you get invested? And they built that well for an eight and a half minute match. This was atypical Deppin also. He was not very talkative or interactive during this match. Normally he is. I think that's because his opponent was of a much higher caliber than what he's normally used to. But Tony was definitely working Yamato's pace. I do believe Yamato's style is very old school. I won't say old school, but very like an early 90s style. I'm not really sure if he performed a top rope maneuver, and that's perfectly fine because he's an ass kicker, and I'm fine with that. I, I, uh, I think Deppen was a perfect opponent for him. Yes, I, yep, I thousand percent agree with you. Then, and I agree. Like, yeah, it didn't feel like a normal Tony Deppen match, and uh, I think, as you said, I think because of the bigger name of Yamato, and we kind of seen this with Tony, the more. Respectful. Yeah, the more respectful and like the game face is on Tony. Like, hey, I'll do my one shenanigan, then F you, I'm in my zone. I got a goal to accomplish. I'm going to accomplish it. Um, I, yeah, I think he definitely put his uh, game face on and I am a fan of Yamato and I liked it. Even though it didn't, was it the high flying, flippy, fast paced match? I loved his just in ring like mannerisms and like, Looking at Tony like, oh, did you hurt your leg? So sorry. Or, hey, I'm standing over you. Oh, let me fix my hair. I'm I'm in complete control of this match. I, I can take my time to fix my hair. Like, I loved Yamato. Like, I became a pretty big fan of his now. And um, I yeah. they said he came from Dragon Gate. I could be. Maybe that was soon Skywalker. I can't remember. But I do want to. Now, this is the. It seems like every show we see a new competitor. I want to go check out. And Yamato is definitely one of them. And. I enjoyed him, and as you said, I think this was a perfect stylistic match for both competitors, where I actually kind of think we didn't see as much as Yamato as we maybe could have. I just think he maybe oh, left yeah. a little bit in the tank and a little bit saving it for... Uh, a ton. Yeah. A ton. This dude seems so capable of main eventing, and I'm sure he has. He's got that in him, dude. He's got that... I mean, just like I said, those first three or four minutes it was filling out, that could be stretched. And he's obviously one that could do that. Um, yeah, we don't talk about this enough because we we it's so obvious to you and me, but I'm so appreciative Lauderdale has that eye out there. And I'm sure he's got quite a few others like Janela who have a nice eye out there for this talent. And I think that was a nice trade between us and Japan. Yeah, I, I definitely, Yamato, want to see him again. Um, I think you were the one who just told me about the Detroit show too. Is it Yamato versus Gresham? 
That's a good question. Oh, I'll tell you what. Hold, you hold with me for a second, and I'll, I'll look at. Uh, well, even okay, if it's not so, Yamato versus Gresham, I that is my match. I want to see is. after this. Oh, okay, yeah. So it is. I am definitely watching that one because I think those two are gonna. It's gonna be one of those Texas catch can style matches, and I yeah in a GC like I'm for it. Like I typically like the high face pace scramble matches, the high flying, everything, all that stuff. Um, the in ring, the work, the pacing. I am all for, though, a match like this being thrown in there because I love the technical aspect. I love how they kind of tell a great story technically uh, as Tony Deppin and Yamada with the facial reactions, the moves, the holding of the moves and stuff like that. I Yeah, my first thought of was Gresham. Like midway through this match, I was like, Yamato versus Gresham would kind of kick ass. And, and yeah, you broke that to me before the... For the podcast, so I am definitely looking forward to that Detroit show just because of this. So I'll break off for a second and just mention it. Commander versus Skywalker. This is going to be these four matches I'm going to mention are in Detroit at Harpo's on Saturday, October 22nd. Commander versus Skywalker. We have Nick Wayne versus Gringo Loco. Jonathan Gresham versus Yamato. And the GCW Tag Team Championship. This is the DLC match. Mm-hmm. Mega Bastards versus SGC versus Los Macisos. I'm really looking forward to all of that. And yeah, we've seen Bastards, SGC, and Macisos before. I forgot about that DLC aspect. And I really do feel like that's good practice for this. I think it's only going to be better than it was before now that they're a little more familiar with each other. Yeah. That, like, yeah. They got a lot of good matchups coming up. I'm glad they're getting your motto. Uh, back at a later date still so it feels nice that i know i'm going to be seeing a little bit more of him before he kind of goes back to japan which i'm assuming that he is i don't know for sure his schedule or what his how long he's out here for or whatnot but this was a fun match nice middle of the card match very entertaining quality wrestling yes very different and i loved it um tony deppin does pick up the win as he hits his shining wizard on yamato for the victory learning what to expect seeing certain performers now so once i knew that was a Deppin match i could expect a more quality wrestling match and it's to a point now to where i love watching some of these people come in and have to go through our gatekeeper yeah i really do i'm kind of proud to have that technical wrestler like he is and we're fortunate we do and like he always brings out the best of his competitors like yep yep and and we're going to see and it's always going to be fresh matchups which obviously we we both like seeing that so yeah i definitely like seeing new competitors Prove the prove a point to go through Tony Depp and before we see him again or them again. And this will lead us into our fifth matchup of the evening, which might be one of the more fun matches of the evening as it is a tag. <laughs> I was going to say show stealer, but I, I don't know that they had a cu- quite a bit of good matches on this one, but I think for everything that happened during this match and how fun it was and, yeah, it was Joey. He's like, oh, I got four competitors I could cause chaos chaos with. Watch this. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Los Macisos tag uh, teaming up again or going against, sorry, Paul Radrick and Joey Janela, which I thought was a another little interesting tag team for Cole Radrick um, as he teamed with Jordan on in Japan, which I thought was cool seeing. And I think it's cool seeing Cole and Joey Janela as. Uh, it's the two extreme title holders for their respective Ryan? companies uh, teaming together, going against the brothers of Los Macisos. And yeah, this was fun. <laughs> a lot of crazy yeah. fuckery, a lot of chaos, typical Joey match. But you add in the chaoticness of Los Macisos, 
and the ratty daddy who never we never know what he's going to do so right? this was a very fun match what was your thoughts on this match <laughs> so i'd written down that mesisos is so good at picking entrance music i was something in spanish i freaking love the song janela had a new haircut speaking of haircuts like you know someone's looking sharp i gotta mention it uh a point fan scott yeah. got thrown into a I wrestler i didn't know that was him at first until he posted on twitter yesterday i was like oh that was him that was awesome yeah, and he was wearing all black, so it was hard to see him at first, especially with all those wrestlers around. And yeah, I saw his post on Twitter and I'm like, oh shit, that was him, dude. That's I thought cool, that yeah. was really cool. Yes. And it was solidified when Emil said, hey, is that Scott? I think he said he threw Scott into him, something like that. Joey was the first one to bleed in this match. A door was thrown on top of his head. You can almost see it bounce when it hit his head. I was noticing again how Ciclope always fights in like a long sleeve hoodie. I, I just always find that so funny because I'd be hot as shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on, would you? Yeah, I how he does that and the headphones is pretty impressive to me. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'd be sweating my ass off out there. Um, Mieto leaves to pop his shoulder back in place, comes back in and decides to keep kicking ass out after that i just i just wanted to mention the dude is tough as fuck he was legit working with one arm for well over half of this match then janelle yells bring it out and people are like what in the hell okay (laughs) out comes the fucking scissor lift people start going what the fuck what the fuck and of course this thing goes all the way up with janelle on it and I mean, it's a beautiful shot from the hard camera angle because you can see Joey all the way up there on the right side. And you see Ciclope all the way down there laying on the mat. And no shit, Janela jumps off of that sil- that scissor lift and he fucking hits Ciclope with this awesome fucking... It almost looked like an elbow. It was, it was obviously a splash, but it looked almost like an elbow at one point there. But j- it looks like Joey knocked like got a bruise on his eye and he even posted online where his sides were all fucked up from that um yeah the only other thing i'd mention is that joey was speared through a door directly into a 450 splash so joey earning that paycheck tonight no shit yeah this this had chaos all over this oh this was fun um Miedo, yeah that's the one point i wanted to bring up like he popped his shoulder. You can see he was trying to work. I forgot how he popped it. Maybe he landed on like, I forgot if he landed on a door wrong or something like that. But he, you could tell he did hurt his shoulder pretty bad. And he's like, even to the ref, like, hey, it's out. Like, and you see him just like within a, he goes to the back and like, hey, we all thought he was done. Like, I thought, hey, yeah, we're going to wrap this yeah. match up. Ciclope is going to lose. It's done and over with. But he just, within a matter of like a minute, he just went to the back, opted in, came back outside, and then right away lifted Joey Janela up into a power bomb after just popping his shoulder less than a minute ago back into place, which I thought, the, the Los Recisos, I, I know I talk about him so much on here, but every single time they just find some way to kind of blow my mind with their toughness, their creativeness, how fun they are, how entertaining they are in commentary, the crazy death matches. Like there's always something new with them and CNC Clope just kind of battle through that. And then still he wrestled even the next night with his shoulder Mm -hmm. kind of dislocated still or popped back into place. But who knows? Like it, takes few you know you know how that is yeah yeah the extension fucks up all the muscles and all the tendons and shit like he's gonna be feeling that for a long time that bitch that motherfucker's on ice for a while yeah when i i popped my shoulder out of place one time playing basketball and i was at a guy at a rec center and 
there was no nurse or there was a nurse there but no like doctor none of that stuff but you had to have for the rec center at least a nurse on on thing just in case something happens like yeah. my yeah. dumb ass dislocated my shoulder and like just when they popped it back into place her a thousand times more than when I originally heard it. Cause it, when I heard it, it just really? felt like, it just felt like, Ooh, I can't lift it. It feels weird. Like it's kind of really? sore, but once I popped it back into place, that hurt tremendously and seeing him coming back out after that, I was like, Nope, that was me. I'd have been done. I've been halfway to the hospital now. And yeah, for me, yeah. I couldn't lift up my shoulder again for a week. I, I play, I was playing baseball at that time and basketball and I couldn't do any of those sports for like a, a month, not a week, a month. Wow. And I, like wow. him to come back out and do a power bomb after doing that was insane. Um, then yeah, once I saw the scissor lift come out and how high <laughs> Joey got, I actually didn't think he was going to make it. He was on like, he had to go about three fourths across the ring to get to uh, Ciclope because I oh, thought yeah. right away I was like I t- I'm telling my wife like he ain't gonna make it he ain't gonna make it we're gonna have an AJ Gray moment here like I was, <laughs> I was legit scared I was like like this that's far and there's like not like he could get a running start onto it like it was like uh-huh. maybe three feet wide I don't know how long, big it was five feet but he just had to jump in oh it was not wide yeah no. and I loved how you said the hard cam I loved that part. Until the time mm-hmm. for impact, and then they went like right into the Ciclope close up where Joey landed on on him. I right. wanted to see that from the hard cam split screen, split screen yeah, replay, the hard cam replay only, or the hard cam only replay because I wanted oh, yeah, to see that the worked. distance because we didn't really ever, ever saw. I think someone on Twitter posted like a fan version or fan clip that was kind of like right there where the hard cam was. So I, I saw it uh-huh. that way. That was way more impressive, but yeah, way more. You're yeah. right. Joey it's crashed. A great point. <laughs> that landing like had to just destroy Joey's hip and shoulder. Like I thought maybe he popped his shoulder out of place just the way he landed on it. Um this was... I thought it was over. Yeah. I thought it was over cuz Janella and Cole are champions. Yep. I thought I thought, you know, these guys are champions. They're going to put their champions over Los Mestizos. Yeah, same thing and then especially with uh Medio getting hurt pretty early on, I was like I uh-huh. thought for sure like it was going to be a Cole Radrick, Joey Janela kind of a cool victory. Um, but uh, Los Macisos do pick up the victory as uh, they do a roll up onto Cole. I love that 450 or that spear into the 450 spot. I thought that was, oh tremendous. God, I yeah. the smoothness of it all. And I just don't know how Los like Medio just kept on fighting through that shoulder pain or shoulder injury because it was pretty bad. And this match just was chaos. Like, if you want to just see. Total fuckery in a match, and we will kind of go on after the match too. Uh, this was this was fun. This was like I wanted like announcing this match at the beginning. I wanted to say, in my opinion, the best match of the night. Not quite, but it is up there as the most entertaining because I loved every bit of this match. So I was wondering when I think about all these things that Janela does, I'm like, well, maybe he's genius or maybe he's just calling it off the fly. And because we've never seen it before, we find it fantastic. I don't know which one it is, but it is entertaining. It's going to be hard for us to forget a scissor lift spot. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Janela and Cole started battling after this and that shit looked like a real fight for just a small second when it went into the, because he looked like he was giving soft punches to Cole there on the, on the chin and in the head there for a while. And then when he grabbed a hold of Janela and they go into the crowd for a minute, I'm watching the punches and I'm like, man, these guys are making it look really good. They were connecting too. Yeah. I I thought the same way. I'm like, Oh shit. Like uh, this must be storytelling, but I think they're taking a little, uh, 
little advantage of each other and kind of giving each other good old stiff one two punches because uh how the ending how the ma- even got to the quick pinfall was Joey Janela had Ciclope ready to take the Cole Radrick when he does the bottom rope springboard into the kind of cutter move. Uh, Ciclope threw Joey Janela in front of or behind Cole and switched spots and Cole didn't realize it, still delivered the stunner to Janela, yeah. came up, was like, oh shit, I did it to the wrong person. And Ciclope, Ciclope got the roll up. So then how they started fighting, as you said, I thought, oh, cool, we're going to get extreme versus extreme title, which we do get the next night. And... I didn't expect them to break down like that, though. And at first, I was like, okay, it's kind of planned. But as you said, once I think kind of Joey maybe connected one little bit too hard. They were were soft punches. And I think, okay, if it was real, they were soft punches. And Cole was like, that's a little much. Well, if it was played, it was well played. And kudos to both of them for making it look so fantastic. We have to talk about it to figure it out. Great blurred line. Yeah. And I think why I'm going to that point, because I was going to make my point right there is the last time I think Cole Radjic kind of got into something like this was with Nick Gage. And Nick Gage actually knocked him out cold. So <laughs> oh. I thought maybe Cole Radrick was like feeling like maybe Joey's going a little too tough. And he learned his lesson from uh, Nick Gage. And he's like, no, you ain't going to hit me like that. I learned my lesson. I stuck up to the king. I'll stick up to you, too. And I loved the fight in him. Like, it was cool seeing the fight of Cole Radrick going against Joey Janela. It was like, nope, you ain't messing with me. I am. You are one extreme champion. I'm another. Wow. I'm not the little kid no more that you guys used to treat me as. Like, I'm here and I'm here to stay. You can't treat me like I'm beneath you. I'm right there with you on uh, title wise, right there with you. But I loved it. Yeah, even the ending. I loved seeing how what's that's going to look like night two. As I don't think they announced it night two. Maybe I missed that too, but. Um, seeing Cole versus Janela, Janela extreme title versus extreme title was going to be very fun to watch. And yeah, this for the fifth match of the night, I was like, Oh my God, we still got like four more, three more matches to go. And oh yeah, that, that match kind of at that moment lifted my spirits up, got my excitement super into it to kind of see what was next. And of course I would be getting excited for the next match as it is Jonathan Gresham going against the East Coast ace Jordan Oliver. And yes, I was all in on this one. This was matchup. I, as soon as it was announced, I kind of like popped and yelped out like a little dog that got stepped on. I was like, whoa, Gresham, Jordan, like, let's go. Let's see these two go because the way that Jordan's been going, the way Gresham's nice seeing him back in the GCW ring wrestling more. Um, I was thinking maybe big plans were in place for Jordan with this match. Or uh, maybe even Gresham, if he picks up a couple victories, maybe he could kind of insert himself into the title picture here since, uh, well, that was the next night. Kind of other people just decided to insert themselves. But I was very much looking forward to this. And by this time, it is super nighttime. And uh, seeing the kind of the uh, riverboat in the background of the pier kind of going across during Gresham's entrance was awesome seeing, in my opinion. Um, Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I was going to tell everyone who listens, which I just found out we have almost everyone listening on every we have someone listening at least on every continent, but Australia and Antarctica, I believe. So (laughs) if we hit Antarctica before Australia, we did something wrong. Um, I was really interested in this one because the mismatch. So Jordan kind of towers over question in this situation. So I was curious about that. We knew that Gresham was going to kind of get the booze. Jordan's the favorite here. And I'm with you. I'm really happy to see Gresham over here more. 
I really, yeah, I want to see aggression versus Deppen. I think that would be a fantastic little match. Maybe yeah. give him a best of three. I would love that. That's uh, a good one. I was thinking Gresham Leo, but I was like, you said Tony. I was like, ah, oh, good one. Yeah, yeah that's a yeah. good one. That would be fun. I'd put those two together as a best of three and maybe have the, you know, the num match number three. It's something important. Gresham got the best of uh, got the best of Oliver for a good chunk of this one for sure. He was the most of the offense. It was still a lot of back and forth, but I'm talking 65% of the time we had Jordan on the ground dealing with something that Gresham gave him. Holds, chops, kicks, punches. Honestly, not much outside of those things really stands out as worth mentioning. And I don't want to say that in a bad way. It's just here we are again where they had a fantastic back and forth with, I don't want to say basic moves, but they had more of a basic fight as um, more wrestling sometimes should be. And it just wasn't anything to mention in there. But I don't want to discount a 10 minute match at all it was fantastic but at the end it did pick up a lot there was a flurry of moves from both men but yeah this was old school um even jordan primarily stayed on the ground in this one and i that, noticed yep that was gonna be my statement where i kind of loved seeing that part because jordan yeah doesn't quite often other than like when he's doing his submission moves show his groundwork and how kind of fluid he is with the transitions and everything and we obviously know gresham's one of the best if not the best in the world as a technical wrestler on the ground. Um, I wanted to see Jordan kind of elevate his game on the ground. Yeah. This yeah. Match and kind of see the uh, evolution. Cause I loved how, when they played off him learning the Boston crab and not learning it, but mastering it, stuff like that. Um, I thought this would be a cool little match to maybe show off a surprise little submission that Jordan has learned and has been training on. Cause against Gresham, you're going to need, pull out your bag of tricks and if you don't go oh yeah as you said this wasn't there wasn't really any quote-unquote spots during this match it was just cool back and forth striking technical uh on the ground we didn't really see jordan go high flying gresham i think did his uh kind of like lion salt uh onto jordan off the middle rope on the, on the inside but as we didn't see the high flying and quickness from jordan as we typically do as it's like go 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 it was more stretched out literally on the ground they're all both getting stretched out but mm -hmm. i didn't mind seeing that because i wanted to see the growth of jordan's game on the ground and seeing the wizardry that john or the octopus i should say <laughs> from jonathan gresham on the ground and seeing how those two would kind of tell the story throughout this match was awesome seeing the one the big it's not even a spot but uh gresham holding the Played vertical suplex on Jordan was uh, quite a sight to see. Uh, just because, as you said, the size difference. I don't think I've seen oh, yeah, yeah. a suplex done like that. A delayed suplex where you get to actually see the height difference from an inverted person that's being mm -hmm. by a person on the ground. I thought that was a cool visual, too. Like um, My wife even goes, like, he can't hold him for that long. I was like, watch. And he held him for quite a few seconds. And, yeah, yeah, surprising. Yeah, like because she just said that just based off of the height differences and stuff like that. And... Yeah, that was this was a fun match. I was kind of hoping for a little bit longer, a little bit more spot match during the match. But following what just happened, I kind of don't mind what was told. Is once again mm -hmm. can't keep the crowd going up and up and up. And then by the time the main event comes, they're going to be on their way down. I thought this right. was kind of a good little peak and valley where you just got crazy chaos. And let's tell a quick little fun story, but with two great real wrestling. Yes. In the ring, tell a different story as Tony and Yamato did with technical, uh, it's in ring technical ability. So I thought this was great. Um, I would like to see these two run it back and maybe get a little bit more time and, uh, 
kind of tell a bigger, better story, but I I was pleased with this. I think Jordan stood to gain a lot from this match in the way of experience. I think that's something that he's going to be able to take away as he was able to wrestle a really good technical wrestler. And I think he can now um, try to just put that in the memory banks and try to use that later. I have to come back to my opinion. I like to come back to this one, but I, I've, I believe strongly in it. I think that it would be cool to see Gresham change from the strongman to more of an underdog style character. And, and I can only say this with him because there's not a lot of people that can pull this off, but he is the Rey Mysterio type where he has a build that could be used and he has the skills. He has the strength. Honestly, with all those impressive things that he could do, if he could space those out and be that underdog, the minute he puts up that big guy and he has him up in the air for two, three seconds, it's going to be so much more impactful when he's coming in from behind and it's towards the end of the match and he's got this motherfucker up in the air. Like, I'm thinking of it that way. It'd be kind of like a Hulk Andre situation. Well, that's what I'm saying. It could be a situation where he chops a motherfucker down instead of his punch is just as strong as the other guys. Now, he wants he needs to chop a guy down. And we've talked about this before. And I think it would be cool at the minute they get to his level, it's fucking lights out. And it would just be, unfortunately, but it's a rabid Wolverine, dude. It's like, yeah. a wild, you know, literally, it's like you get to the ground and, and you better get the fuck up quickly, because if you're at that level, you're fucked. I just I think that would be so cool. And I also think that he has he has it in him to be looked at like somebody sympathetic, like some asshole comes out and fucks with him because he's bigger than him. And Gresham goes, fuck that. And that's where some of these power moves that he is just so fantastic at would be more impactful story wise. Just just an idea. And it's not like it has to be a full on change. But I think for one match or one series, it would be so cool to book him that way. Yeah, it's kind of tough with him. Like He's pretty much for the most part a heel. I kind of like how he does yeah, the heel yeah. work in the ring with the, like playing to the crowd, making kind of the opponent look stupid when sometimes he does like the fake kicks and the wrestler goes to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does, like the na 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 boo boo. Got him kicking him in the leg. Like I like. Gresham as the heel and stuff like that too but as you said I think there could be a, a great story told with him as a face um I just kind of like with Leo we I just kind of hope they stick around for a little bit or show up a little bit more yeah please BCW because I get so much more excited seeing Leo Rush on a card and seeing a Leo Rush match seeing a Gresham match I get excited for those two those two are like up there with me where I you announce them and pretty much whatever the rest of the card is, it doesn't matter. I will go out of my way to watch it or go attend. To, like Leo Rush was the reason I went, got into GCW. Like, right. <laughs> where does this right, sound? Right. Like, I went to the GCW show because of Leo Rush and I didn't really watch other GCW shows other than uh, the Fight Forever on YouTube for free, the 24-hour show. So um, I was like, yeah, sure. You know what? This is my first wrestling event after the pandemic. Seems like it's going to be nice and safe. Looks pretty fun. Let me go check it out. The night before the show, the Nick Gage Dark Side of the Ring came out. So I got to really learn more about GCWs. So, oh, like, yeah. Literally that night, I'm like in my, after I watched it, like trying to go to bed, I was like excited. Like, oh my God, I'm going to see fucking violence. I'm going to see unexpectedness. And I didn't think it would be anything like how what I saw, but um, it was obviously fantastic. Huh? And I'm a fan now. It was love at first sight. It was, it was crazy. But I mean, I'd seeing Leo Rush. Wrestle is so awesome. Gresham, see, awesome. I would like to. We always talk about, hey, now's the chance to do it while they're both wrestling. Put them both against each other right now, 
and just kind of see, let them give them 20 minutes, let them tell a great, great match, great story and take advantage of it. Cause who knows if we're going to ever get these two on a card again, you just, you just never know, which is, it's all right. The wrestlers need to take care of what they need to. I just think they should capitalize on this because um, that is one kind of dream match. Now thinking, talking it out loud is a, one of my newer dream matches. I definitely want to see uh, in a GCW ring. And our winner ended up being Jonathan Gresham. Knockout with a forearm punch off the ropes. 10-minute match. Crowd did not like that Jordan lost. There were some boos overall, but at the end, there was a handshake. The fans clapped, and they appreciated that Gresham was there. But as he was leaving, yeah, fans appreciated it. But in the ring, they weren't loving him at all for what he was doing to our boy. Yeah, and that, uh, I know we were going to end this, but I did come up with one thing real fast. I kind of like how this match ended with that knockout because it just seemed like it was out of left field. It wasn't typical yeah, finisher. Yeah. And as we've been kind of talking with Jordan lately, where it seems like lately when he's been winning these matches, he's been kind of changing whatever, <clears throat> ending the match based off of whatever moves. It hasn't been just the always the clout cutter or orange crush. I wish he would bring that more. I kind of miss the old or orange crush but the orange crush yeah, yeah he's been doing the yakuza kick the boston crab so i kind of like how gresham as well has been finishing wrestlers with different moves and not just always the same finisher all the time so uh i like that kind of duality between these two throughout this match because that made it seem like hey if it ever happens again like who knows when the match is going to end or like hey mm -hmm. did he catch him unpredictability exactly where oh my god five minutes in he caught him with that same forearm is it going to be over in five minutes kind of thing so i definitely like the ending and uh hopefully we get to see these two run it back one uh another time for a longer time uh, longer duration match and that will lead us into our seventh matchup of the evening as drew parker teams with rena yamashita going against alex cologne and as we found out a mystery partner uh on wayne murdoch we kind of talked about all the punishment he received in liverpool and japan it unfortunately did seem to catch up with him as he did not wrestle on Fight Club Night One. So Alex Cologne had to dig into his bag of tricks. They kind of teased where uh, everybody would like the, the replacement. They're very well known. And I kind of right away, once as Alex Cologne was kind of giving his little speech beforehand, I was like, it's got to be. And it yeah. was the bulldozer <laughs> Matt Tremont, which I love seeing him kind of i always love seeing him in ac because the crowd just eats him up no matter what and bulldozer chance dude lots yeah, of bulldozer they, chance yeah he definitely is loved there and definitely got a huge reaction for being the surprise tag team partner for alex cologne and in my eyes this is kind of probably for me the match of the night i loved all the violence i loved the cools the beginning of introducing a surprise like you never know what, what it's actually going to be as a surprise in GCW. You just never know what they're going to pull out. Obviously, with the already three competitors announced, I thought it was going to go deathmatch person, but I was kind of thinking maybe it could be Akira or something like that because Akira kind of plays into the whole John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Cologne mm -hmm. storyline. But the more Alex Cologne talks, I'm like, yeah, we're getting the bulldozer, and I am happy. This was violent. This was fun. What was your thoughts on this? Rena can't help but smile. I think Rena is probably one of the happiest people to be performing at GEW. <laughs> GEW at GCW. She loves this. I fucking love this. It's so nice. Did you uh, see her crowd... reaction when Tremont come out? 
No. She was popped. She... she popped in the really? ring as Shamrock came out. So as you said, she's loving Aww. being in GCW. Like as you said, like it just feels so wholesome having her there and seeing the enjoyment that she has. She feels like it's one of us enjoying the show, but she's actually a part of the show. So it's kind of cool seeing her having fun doing all that kind of stuff. She smiles like we do. Yeah, that's what it is. She's just having as much fun as we are. And when we see that out of the performer, it's just a connection because we're, we're connecting. We have that same emotion going on. The crowd was loving all four performers in this match. They're performers. Man, I can't talk. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go ahead and do the old bullet boom boom. Here we go thing, because we have 14 minutes here and I'm going to give my best rundown that I can to show how fucking violent this was. So here we go. Minute number one, there were tubes out. Spooky glass looks good um, outside at night. I wanted to mention that because it has that black background. So you can see that amazing powder that uh, just kind of fills the air. It's fantastic. Minute two, Tremont, double dusty elbows. I know there's probably another name that he uses for it, but at my age, it's the dusty double elbows. Cologne gave Rena light tube horns, which was fantastic. Minute three, Rena gets cut by Cologne on different sides of the ring. He kept going to all the other sides. We know how that is. Now it's Tremont's turn to cut Rena, and he starts cutting Rena. Minute four, Tremont starts yelling, GC fucking W, like Braveheart style. It was fantastic. And we start hearing from the crowd, you sick fuck, you sick fuck. Rena does a Russian leg sweep to Tremont. Cologne and herself all at one time go back first into light tubes. Minute six, Cologne knees a tube bundle into Parker's chest. It was fucking vicious. Uh, minute seven, Tremont's yelling, hit me, motherfucker. And minute eight, Tremont hits a sit down powerbomb on Rena. Minute nine, Rena and Parker start hitting each other with tubes. Rena starts eating tubes. Basically, they're just getting each other hyped up because they were just it was time. They were just ready to start kicking ass. And it was basically Parker kicking Rena's uh her ass back in gear. <laughs> Tremont gets a bunch of tubes busted on him, including bundles. This was part of that whole Hulk out that they both had. In minute 10, I wanted to mention, because I love mentioning, that we got a three-peat chant. I believe that Cologne at this level deserves every bit of respect he has. I wish some of the other wrestlers would get chance too, but three-peat is fucking awesome. Minute 11, Painted Glass starts coming out. Minute 12, Tremont's on the top rope. Rena goes up. She suplexes Tremont directly through that pane of glass. It looked absolutely amazing. Minute 13, Rena double claws to Tremont's balls. It was nasty. She she started with one hand and he's like, yeah, yes. whatever. She goes with two hands. She puts on the fucking G.I. Joe Kung Fu grip and it was lights out. Minute 14, there was a huge bundle placed over Tremont, which gave us our finish where Parker and Yamashita pulled out the win. There was a big Flash off the top rope onto Tremont. 14 and a half minutes of pure fuckery. It was fantastic. That was a fucking death match. Yes, that was. This was my favorite match of the night just because all four competitors and the violence. And they kind of did. Drew Parker and Rena kind of did the little old school uh, traditional tag match where they were tagging in and out parts during this, oh, yeah. during this match. But as we talked about last time, it's kind of refreshing to see. And. Kind of nice to see them do it out here in the States in a GCW more uh, rules and stuff like that. So I 
Yeah, this was fun match. I loved Matt Tremont's face once Serena grabbed the first time and Matt's like, you need more than that, honey. And then right, he got right, the second right. one, you just see him like, oh, like I, his facial <laughs> reaction was hysterical during that. Um, and I loved, uh, I think MLJ was on commentary during this match. I'm, as I said, I couldn't tell if it was him or Nick Knowledge, to be honest with you, but I think it was MLJ calling back to uh, the Parker hitting Rena and like kind of as you said hulking her up, and they shouted out. It's like oh, it's like Randy Savage Hulk or giving the elbow to Hulk Hogan to ram him up. And they said classic chapter because yep. I was at that show and I actually just talked about that spot a couple months ago to a friend and I was like, dude, I was like eight, seven when that match happened, nine maybe, and that's uh-huh. a spot that will live with me forever because I was as a kid. I'm like, and I, I started off that Clash of Champions way up top, and then I end up by the main event. Some um, security guard let me and my mother go down to the front row because they just saw wow. like I was kind of enjoying it. So they kind of stuck stuck us in front row for the main event and seeing it happen right in front of my face. As a kid, I was like almost about to start crying. I'm like, wow, about show, man, why? And then Hulk getting up. I'm like, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I, that so was you got cool. to see Hulk live. Yeah. Like I saw him a couple no times. Shit. Live. That's cool. That's so cool. That's a spot that will live rent free in my head forever and ever because I think you remember like the my little wrestling buddies that they used to have. I used to yeah, have like yeah, all of yeah. them and wrestle all over the place with them. And then my uncle was a couple years older than me, but I was like in first grade at this time when those were out. And I used to wrestle like with those. And we kind of when we did our fake matches in the living room, that was kind of a spot we always did where like, oh, like you knock you move the referee out of the way, then it looks like you're turning on your partner, but it really helps your partner out. So I love the whoever <laughs> if it was Nick Knowledge or MLJ, loved calling that spot out because it just it, it I started that spot right away too. And as like when Jordan called the spot against Ali catch and Joey Janela, I just go right to those spots. And I loved hearing that because it put me in a, put me in an old school kind of minor frame of mind, seeing the Rena and drew kind of hit each other with the light tubes to hook each other up fun spot in a very entertaining and violent match. And, yeah, I don't have anything bad to say about this match at all. Nope. I love Tremont just fitting right in and, that's just a biggest name as it would have been if it was John Wayne Murdoch because these are four either legends and Matt Tremont and Cologne been up and comers that are just absolutely killing the game and Drew Parker and Rena and the deathmatch scene. So I this was fantastic. I loved it and I would want to see these four go at it some way somehow again. You know, everyone kind of showed tough love to each other at the end of this. We had the old birds fly in the middle finger salutes. So everybody everybody this whole fucking thing was awesome i get the fans were having a good time and everybody worked their ass off and they keep they keep moving these same five six people around and putting them in different matches together and each and every one of them are coming out fantastic every time and different which is like it's kind of every time yeah once we kind of i when you told me about the dlc match i'm like my my first initial reaction is like again like i want to see it move on i want to see different matchups but then when it happens i'm like yeah give me that one again please let's go feed me feed me more i don't know what i'm talking about so yeah i loved it and as you said i love how they're always so entertaining and never miss like it's just been incredible and i once again we need drew parker and yamasha out here on a more frequent and regular basis because if you add like those two, I think just to their just in general roster, man, they could do a lot of stuff with the <laughs> the deathmatch scene. And not that they've been doing anything bad. It just I think would be so incredible seeing 
Parker and Yamashita go against Ciclope and Medio a little bit more uh, throughout the throughout the weeks and months and shows and stuff like that. I think it would be awesome seeing the different variations of matches that these competitors can have with each other. Well, you were also talking about the fact that it's international competition, but I mean, even if they were American, both of them, two words, instant upgrades. Yeah. I'll, instant upgrade yeah. star division. Yeah. I, like I said, I've yeah. said like right now, if you ask me who like I think is the best death match wrestler right now, like this very second, I'd have to say Drew Parker. I think overall in GCW, Alex Cologne, you add in Tremont, one of the freaking legends of deathmatch wrestling and Throw in Yamashita as a up-and-comer who's breaking barriers in Japan, breaking barriers in GCW. Coming the first, I think they announced the first female deathmatch champion. Uh, maybe not in the states, but for GCW at least. And huh. her kind of having that kind of moments and the rise to stardom that she's had, and how over she's gotten in such a not short period of time. But with the AC crowd, it's it's yeah, those four just. Right the way, four incredible deathmatch wrestlers and uh, not deathmatch wrestlers, just wrestlers in general, but mostly making their, cutting their teeth in the deathmatches. And it's always been fun and entertaining. As you said, Insta Upgrade, you add those two, like it would just be yep. mind-boggling the, the stuff we could see over these next couple months. And hopefully we will get them more. And I'm very much looking forward to see them hopefully back in a GCW ring after Fight Club weekend. Uh, did we announce the winner? I forgot. Did we not? Yeah, yeah, I did it when we did the rundown. I just went bam, 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 bam. So, yeah, normally, no, normally you're not seeing, like, this just was more, I just floated through, so. Uh, it was fun. Plus it was a 14-minute match. It yeah, was just... there was a lot of stuff going on in that 14 minutes. Very fun, entertaining, uh, seventh matchup of the evening. And yeah, let's run it again. Yes, yes. <laughs> like I said, like, I, I'm all let's run it that. again. I love what they did the next night with all with some other different competitors. That's that's the shit you could feed me all, way more to. Um, going into our eighth matchup of the evening, which is kind of the co-main event, even though it wasn't announced it. We have Effie going against Shoda. And Shoda, another competitor I've never seen before. Didn't know what to expect. Um, I still kind of don't know what to expect from Shoda. We did, kind of didn't really see much of him uh, duration-wise of what he could do. Uh, in a ring during this match because this was a very very short match but um seeing kind of effie going against a competitor i've never seen before i wanted to see how they would react to effie's shenanigans and in-ring style and yeah this was for the match before the main event i don't mind it i don't i understand why it's short but i kind of wish it would have been longer pretty fun show or pretty fun match uh for this oh main event sorry I had a brain freeze there. What was your thoughts on this match, John? So Shota to me looked like he just walked out of Top Gun because he had that outfit, that full on body military outfit. Uh, he is quick and smooth with his movements. That's the one thing I wanted to say. If anyone goes back and looks, you can see he's just he's damn quick and everything he does has a smoothness to it. Effie's tarantula variation, I'm noticing, has now become more of his go-to move set recently. And I was mentioning before on previous episodes where I really like that move, so it's really cool. And it would be really fun if he grabs those legs and goes full tarantula on some of these guys. Um, if it is a problem with them touching, have them put their legs on top of the third, that bottom rope, and then pull their legs from there. Yeah. And you can do it that way. And all they have to do is push their shins down, and that would support their weight on that bottom rope. Uh, anyway, 
Effie did a blurb in his tummy, like into a suplex. He was like treating him like a baby and he was rolling him over and trying to spank him. And it was nice to see even the little tummy thing. Um, it's different because we don't see it often. That's the kind of thing I like with Effie is when he pulls out things every so often. Yep. Um, it just makes it more fun and funnier. I'm also a big fan of Under the Rainbow. I have to say that a hundred times. It's just a cool little move. And the last thing I want to say is when Shota's allowed, he is a damn good wrestler. He's another one where I would put him in a scramble, but I'm with you. I need to see more of him. Four and a half minutes would be a bullshit way to um, just judge him overall. But the four and a half minutes I've seen were fantastic. Yes. Uh, I, as you said, I do definitely want to see more of Shota. Um, as you, when you said uh, allowed to breathe, he's a good wrestler. I was thinking the kind. I think the same way about Effie. Like if he needs to go when it's time to go, he's been yep. doing very, very good lately. I like I've been enjoying all his matches, like with the comedy, without the comedy. Uh, I I've been enjoying it because he's been his when it's gotten down to in ring action, it's been very good, and he's been the comedy spots are sometimes hitting, sometimes missing, but it's just it's Effie. It's Effie. Uh, Definitely don't want to see Effie change too much, but when he does kind of oh. come down to when it's time to go, he's absolutely phenomenal in the ring, and I enjoy watching him go when it's time to. But yeah, this match, they didn't really have time to go. They didn't really get to see what Effie and Shota are really made of. We kind of just got like a little appetizer because of uh, the main event coming up after that, but I thought it was still a pretty short match, even if it was the kind of the last match before the main event, I thought it could be given a little bit more time just so that way for, our, for my first time seeing Shota, I don't know what to think of him because it's short. So I would yeah. like to see him for his first match, kind of show the crowd what he has kind of like what Yamamoto got kind of what Skywalker got. I think I kind of felt like he got the short end in the stick here. <laughs> I wondered if maybe he was injured. Maybe he just got a little injury and they go, you know what, let's wrap it up guys. Yeah. Because even that, even that's really short for a, for a match for Effie, but again, it may be a time issue. Yeah, so you never know. And the winner of this match is Effie as he hits Shota with the sack rider for the victory. Quick four minute match, but uh, Effie does pick up a win where Effie goes from. That will lead us in to the main event of the idol versus career as the GCW world champion Don Moxley defends the belt against Nick Gage and yeah um I I want to like just before even before the match started the kind of the news that came out the day before with AEW kind of ex- kind of holding the rights to Moxley a little bit closer to the chest not going to let him kind of go out and do what he kind of has been doing lately with the indies um that right there kind of ruined the outcome for me um, just based off kind of what I read and saw, I thought for sure because of all that, Nick Gage would win. But on my back of my mind, it's also John fucking Moxley, and you're not going to tell him who he can and can't wrestle for. Is what I kind of always got from Moxley. But yeah, it's fine at this t- point in time. Maybe he's had his fun. He's done what he's because every time we see him in GCW, he's having fun. Um, he's enjoying what he's doing. He obviously enjoys coming back. He wouldn't have come back if he didn't want to, because he's a freaking world champion of AEW. So he's not going to be forced into doing stuff because he needs the money or anything else. He's doing it for the love um, of wrestling and independent wrestling. And so 
I didn't know what to kind of expect. I was still kind of 50-50, but that news kind of did lead me more towards Gage. But um, yeah, what was your thoughts on this? You ready? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to warn everybody right now. We've got heel John Wolf coming because I am going to try to give my true opinion of what went on. I can't sit here and just go, great, 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 if there are parts that aren't. And I would think that would be inauthentic and I would have no reason to be here on a podcast, just sit here and kiss ass for free. So I want to make sure I say that ahead of time. So <clears throat> heal John. <laughs> I, I honestly don't blame Tony Khan for wanting to keep him out of GCW. Although it's nice for the GCW fans and Moxley, I mean, personally, you and me, I don't, I don't know your opinion, but I'm guessing you may agree that for us, it is nice to see him. It's a treat, but I don't think there's much professional upside for Moxley on this one. If he gets injured in a match with somebody that he only drew 8,000, 10,000, I don't know, maybe let's just say 25,000, $20,000 for, I mean, that that uh what happens when he has to cancel a match that was at a house that had a gate of 850 and pay-per-view buys in the 30 40 50 100 well actually more like the 200,000 or plus range so i mean it does make sense to not go outside and play backyard football with the neighbor kids if you're being looked at by usc in your senior year of high school so I'm just I'm just saying that makes sense. And I wanted to put that out there because I 100 percent agree that it is fantastic to see him. I hope that in his contract, he has something that says he can have some case by case basis if he works with Brett Lauderdale. And, you know, they kind of all work together to agree that this is something that, you know, works. That's perfectly fine, because I know that with the wheels kicked off, Con will um Khan will let him go and he will go. I mean, he will get all bloodied. He has been injured before. So I do have some fear of that. And it does make good business sense. This isn't just a fan thing because as a as a mark, as a this or that, I'd go, oh fuck yeah, go, go, go. But as a business, you're taking a you're taking a fucking Bugatti and you're driving it through one of the most dangerous parts of town. And here's all these potholes. And you're like, well, I may hit him, I may not, but the potential is there. And ugh. so I, I understand that from a from an investment perspective, that's just there we go with John Heal. That's just me being the anti. And that, but but I think you said true. there is a thousand percent true. It's it's it is what it is. Like I like I selfishly, as you said, I would I don't mind seeing Moxley. I just don't like seeing him the champ because we don't see him as often. But if he's not the champ and he shows up once, twice, three times a year as a surprise, I am all for yeah. it. I love it. I yep. will not complain. And I think also with the Moxley kind of having the kid now and uh, making the lifestyle changes that he's kind of had to make and or did he chose to make and did make. Um, I think it's kind of like him like hey i've had my fun i did what i wanted to do i did something that i probably never thought i'd be going back and doing after his run in wwe um i just think now he's probably like hey i'm making a lot more money got a bigger extension i am the the i got a lot more responsibilities now yeah um, got a kid got the whole thing exactly and lead being the champion of AEW, as you said with the million dollar gates that they've been drawing lately and they've been kind of hurt by either injury or backstage drama. 
they've been kind of ticket hurting. loss. Yeah, they've huge been, ticket loss. Yeah, they've been hurting Ugh. with one of their top superstars, and if to lose another one in this short amount of time, I I agree with it too. I that's what kind of blew me away last year because at the when they fought last year, the bell didn't even ring yet, and Moxie's already busted open in the face as MLJ is given the entrance to Nick Gage, and because Nick Gage took the <laughs> bundle of light tubes at him. Before the match even started, and just see, and Moxie didn't get any hands up. He just took it right to the face, and right away, they right, obviously right. You could tell, like, hey, it's not someone taking little little pieces of tubes and cutting themselves. He just stood there, took it, and right away, blood's dripping down his face. And I like, I thought then, I'm like, wow, I'm surprised, like Tony Khan's letting him do that and kind of stuff. Yeah, so I for what uh, we've been kind of being able to kind of get away with and. Uh, been lucky to avoid any injuries or situations like this. I am very uh, grateful for the stuff that Boxy has done for GCW and independent wrestling just in general. I thought like one of his first uh, shows that he showed up to was a local show out here in FSW once he got released as a kind of surprise hmm. entrance. So I thought like I just I know he loves doing it, but I think at this time, maybe he just kind of like, hey, time to move on to the next step. And or maybe it was forced upon him either way. Um, it will be kind of different and kind of sad not seeing John Moxley on our screens a little bit more than we were used to because of that. But um, even once again, before the match goes on, I know you have it in your notes. So I'll let you say it first and I'll give you my opinions on uh, that first part there. Okay. Well, before the match, I thought it was fan fucking tastic that someone brought a huge sign that says, if Gage loses, we riot. And I have to say that for an ECW fan and an old school fan, that was, I love art. That was fantastic to see. Yeah, I was right there with that. I loved seeing even Moxley kind of acknowledge it, look up at it and kind of looked at the camera and gave it a little chuckle and then kept on going. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I loved that sign. And there's only been like maybe three or four times I thought that would work. Uh, obviously, the first time ever when RVD against Cena, but Cardona versus Joey when it worked, what it was perfect for Hammerstein. I loved seeing that up there uh, on the second level because it was like very reminiscent of the first time we saw it. And this one I thought was very apropos too because I was thinking legit maybe they would riot based off of the news that happened the night before, and they're seeing seeing the. The ace of the company, Nick Gage, possibly for the last time ever, wrestled because of Moxley. I thought maybe with the AC crowd kind of starting to riot with Cardona, uh, maybe we'll definitely start a riot with Moxley. Too, so <laughs> just, like I said, I legit was still kind of 50-50 throughout this match of who was going to win and who wasn't. So I think the fans kind of showed their hand of what they wanted because we started getting new champ chants and it was just beautiful to hear. On the mat, before this thing even starts, I'm seeing chairs, barbed wire boards, light tubes, and a hell of a lot more that I did not write down. Emil said he was a touch emotional, and I thought that was something that was just, um, I, I found it interesting. I really like that. So if he was, I think that makes sense, as he should be, because if you learn how to appreciate moments um, as you get older, I'm sure that was just a fantastic moment that he's going to hope to have. Yeah, that comment. Or remember. Yeah, that comment on commentary, as well as all of the like the two days prior with all the wrestlers kind of like it kind of felt like, hey, this might be Nick Gage's wrestling funeral where they're all oh, like, we're yeah. giving a memorial. Like, hey, he was there for me at this time or 
he got me into GCW because yeah. of this. And I, I thought like, yeah, that he was... was always nice to the neighbors. He was always good with our kids. <laughs> it felt like you know? an in memoriam of Nick Gage's wrestling career. We're all just going to put it out on Twitter before the match even started. And then MLJ kind of making that comment. The storytelling that we've been asking for was all over this match. Like, yes, it, that that's why I, I, I know we're going to get it. It's just, uh, I got so invested in this match and enjoyed it, even though the in-ring work wasn't quite up to uh, expectations or par. I was still so emotionally involved in this because of the awesome storytelling that was being done on social media uh, before the match with the videos, the signs, MLJ's little quip there. I, I, the, all the storytelling made it that much more enjoyable and uh Got me so much more invested than what I would have if I just would have watched the in-ring stuff. I would have been like, okay, uh, I right, think right. we should have a very clear and easy winner here. Shouldn't be close. But everything else, that's the beauty of wrestling. There's not just one story to be told. There is multiple stories that we could told in different ways. And I, that's what made it very enjoyable for me. And I thought it was really nice that Prazak said that Gage is now 30 pounds lighter. And that's not easy. So good for him. I know that he had gained a decent amount of weight and he was trying to get that off. So anybody who's doing cardio and lifting weights, that muscle is heavier than fat, which means that they had to drop a shit ton of fat and then put that muscle back. So going 30 pounds down, doing cardio and any type of strength is just fantastic. Um, Okay, don't say anything for just a second because I want this to sink in. Are you ready? Yes. My favorite, one of my, well, I liked hearing this. That's all I'll say. Ready? Fuck Ohio. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just wanted to say I'm happy to hear that. There we go. I just wanted it to sink in without saying anything else. I really loved hearing that. It was really cool to hear. I am from Ohio you also. You can't say so. that while wearing an Ohio State shirt on your body right now. <laughs> That's just <laughs> blasphemy. Oh blasphemy. Everyone that's oh listening God. to this show right now, he nope, is wearing... Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm from Michigan. Oh, you are so going to get ridiculed on this yeah. episode. From yeah. Hell no, no, no. This friends. is Heel Wolf. This you is are, Heel yeah, Wolf. You are fully on Tony Deppin. I don't know how. Maybe your your families and friends lovable asshole after this episode. Right, but, that's right. God. I am, I am. See, it just it took a it took a crazy fucking hail turn. This and is it. That's one of those ones that actually made sense with the fuck Ohio. Like, thank God it wasn't. Yes. Like, yeah. It, it was yeah. kind of cool because it kind of plays into the story of a certain group from Ohio that used to be involved when Moxley and Gage first kind of teamed up with and started this whole story uh -huh, uh -huh. two, three years ago. So I liked how everything kind of came into place and revolved around everything that was going on during this. So you know what else came into play? That fucking pizza cutter. Three minutes in and we already got that damn thing out. I really wasn't looking forward to seeing that. thing. Well, I'm always looking forward to seeing it. I really didn't think it was going to come out for at least, a, I don't know, six, seven minutes. Man, no motherfucker was making pizza on his forehead less than four minutes. And how fast Moxley jumped out of that ring once he saw the pizza cutter, <laughs> like touching his yeah. head. That's when uh, he went into full heel mode for me. He's like, nope, I'm, hey, you guys heard that news yesterday. I'm, I'm worth millions. I ain't getting busted up here. I don't care if this is Nick Gage or not. Like, I'm not getting my head cut. I can't. And that played into like how he went outside the ring, was like checking himself. I love uh -huh. how they kind of snuck that in there as well. 
So this to me is the turning point of the match that I feel changes things. Now I know you and I talked about this earlier and you feel that um, you felt that Nick really was really like after he got to the ring, that entrance was just so high energy. It knocked him down a little bit just for a second. Like if a person has six gears, he was at, he was at five because there's always that extra gear. He was at five and it knocked him at a four for just a, a touch because that entrance was just so fucking hype. And so were the fans and so was he. So I'm sure this happened in the flare match. Adrenaline can really fucking get you, man. It really can. And I wanted to mention that. And yeah, uh, I made a joke as Gage was coming out. I actually timed it and I was right as bad as my... Uh, Kind of joke was supposed to be wrong. It was right. Uh, last year, they they went through Nick Gage's entrance twice <laughs> at the beginning. Like it yeah, took yeah. so long for him last year to get to the ring where the music started again. And even MLJ goes, "This is the record for the longest entrance in ECW history." So wow. once, once I heard the music <laughs> happen during this match, I right away pulled out my phone. I was like, told my wife, like, "All right," and I told her the whole story I just said. Like, and then last year it was this long. Let's see what happens uh, today and see how long this one is. And sure as shit, it was over five minutes long, just the entrance alone, which, as you said, adrenaline, especially for not... When was the last time we seen Nick Gage wrestle? Oof. April? Right, right. Like, so, That's a good question. Being out of the ring for that long and then kind of... <laughs> I don't want to use what the words I'm saying in my head, but kind of waste all your energy right away at the beginning before the match even started. And once I saw him in the ring, like... His facial expression to me looked different. He did look like he wasn't out of it, but like Alan, he's like, oh shit, dude, I still got to wrestle this match. I'm, I had the same feeling when I saw Waltman, X-Pac, Sean Waltman make his entrance uh, in LA where he was shot tagging with Joey Janela. He's like, hey, Joey, you go in first. I'm, I'm already done. I'm done. Like <laughs> I got it. I need a yeah, few minutes yeah. before the match even started. And I could see it easily happen for being out of the ring for as long as he has been. And getting all that hard work and getting back into the shape where I right away was like, this doesn't look like the Nick Gage that has lost the 30 pounds and is back in shape and is going to put on a great performance. It seemed like right away he was spent. And uh, I and for my opinion, I will pay, I'll play heel too. I was not happy with the performance in, in this match. Just in general, I just felt like it did not need to go on. The way it started, it should have ended a lot earlier than what happened because I did not... The in-ring action totally blew it for me. Okay, so for me, this is the turning point of the match. Gage is outside, and he goes over by the ring there, and he picks up this huge bundle of tubes. And you can see him kind of hold it close to his chest because there were so many. And he kind of turns around, and he walks towards the crowd, and he's like, I'm going to fuck him up. You know, it was typical Gage. Like, he's just like, all right, let's fucking do this. And that's what Gage is good to good for. And I say this is the turning point because Gage turns around and he's walking towards the ring and he meets a baseball slide by Moxley is the best way I think I can put it. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a baseball. baseball? Slide. Okay. Yep. So both of Moxley's boots go directly into like his chest and arm is what I can see from, from what I'm looking at. And my, my, uh, I may be hazy on that. I'm not 100% sure. Yep, you're right on. But he got fucking knocked down hard, and the tubes obviously busted all over him upon um, impact to that baseball slide. And it took a small amount of time, not a lot, but a small amount of time for um, 
for him to get back up off the ground, unfortunately. And I even noticed when he was getting off the ground, if anybody looks at it, like he's shaking. You can see his hands visibly shaking. And even when he gets up off the ground, and this happens sometimes when you have somebody supporting your weight, you'll shake, you know, when you're trying to get up off of the ground. It's a lot of weight to pull up on one arm. Um, but in my opinion, that shot to the chest fucked him up for a while. I can tell you that he barely got into the ring, it seemed, and Mox was helping him get up and into the ring. Now, I'm going to put this down here for a second because I want this to kind of be understood. At four minutes and 41 seconds into the match, he was pulled into the rings and light tubes were busted over his head. And when I mean pulled to the ring, I mean at 441, his ass was on the mat. So when Gage goes down, he's holding his arm, like uh, his right arm, a lot. It was just obvious he was holding that arm. So again, I can't tell if he fucking jammed his arm. I can't tell. But to me, it felt like he was winded or he got the wind knocked, not the wind knocked out of him. But I mean, a good kick to the fucking chest or stomach will take it out of you. I mean, anybody who's ever fought knows that. But um, Mox keeps coming over to fight Gage while he's sitting or laying on the ground. And you can see Mox is using several ground-based attacks to kind of keep the match going. There is a small break where he gets up from 8 minutes and 15 seconds to 8 minutes and 25 seconds. Gage is back on his feet and then goes back down within that little time window there. There's a lot of nothing that's going on at times. We're actually seeing a little time killing. Moxley's doing all the work. And at 10 minutes and 30 seconds, Mox picks Gage up off of the ground and then finally, Gage starts getting offense in. So again, that's 10 minutes and 30 seconds into the match. Gage was on the ground for 5 minutes and 37 seconds. Now, again, you can do the math here, 441 and 1030. That gives you about, you know, 550 and whatnot. But I'm counting that 10 seconds or so out, and I'm giving it an extra 3 or so seconds just to kind of give it some play. 5 minutes and 37 seconds, it was just gauge on the ground um but at 12 minutes and 30 seconds which is two minutes after he got off the ground pizza cutter time again so it was you know michelangelo doing his best <laughs> out there my observation and i want to say this because this is the first time i've seen how gauge really does it the cameras are too damn close and it shows the tricks uh but it also shows when the person's going ah and he's got the light tubes or he's got and he's not really cutting him if you're going to get that close and you're going to do that to the crowd and show it to them, make a little poke. If you're going to sit there and drive into the right side of their forehead, at least when they pull away from you, make it at least a little red because they're not on camera. They're picking up everything. And what it looks like is, well, it doesn't look effective. It looks fake. And so I just wanted to mention that because if if you know that camera pulls tight on you professionally, you know, you're going to have to step it up. If you're going to make it look like you're going to cut them, you're going to probably have to fucking cut them. That camera is right there and it catches everything. And I was watching exactly what Gage does. And I'd never seen that until that time. So, I mean, again, if you see that camera's too close, then you might want to make a little cut because otherwise it doesn't look worth it. And it looks a little too. Ugh. And see, I, wolf. I like <laughs> I'll into the moon on this one. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Now, uh, I like kind of going off what you said. I don't want to go too deep in the weeds on that because it's it's wrestling. It is what it is. And I, I feel the same way, too. Once I he the fucking first time, got hurt, you know? Yeah. The first time I saw he got him, hurt. the way he did the the pizza cutter, I, I saw like what was going on. But I really like when they do the, 
the light tube thing and i i now it's totally blanking me uh blanking on me who did it but i, I want to say it alex and... cologne well uh well there's one specific way as you said it kind of like even when uh, when they're doing the devil horns and they're doing the horns on their heads like mm -hmm. how you said they do um I forgot which wrestler did it, but like I liked how they really took the end. Like it went like surgically, and they I think it was KG on announcement. Like said even uh -huh. like, like a doctor, you see him cutting the incisions onto the yes, end. little pops, little pop, 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 pop. You see the blood drip down, and then now you wipe it and smear it all over your face to look away, yeah. look way more. We, I'm a fan. I am not a professional. You guys do it way better. You guys are all smarter about it, but like that. I'm just saying how I like. I've whoever did that, I forgot. I've seen it a couple times too, so I don't think it's one specific uh, wrestler that does it. But I've seen them like kind of do that one little knock, get the blood, and then you can do the theatrics to make it look way better. Because as you said, sometimes and it's wrestling, uh, it the uh, tricks are given away sometimes, but it does sometimes take away from the effect or for somebody brand new and stuff like that. It kind of takes away the realism or whatever feeling that they had about wrestling going into that match so i didn't want to dive too into it but like once you said that it just i remember me it reminded me of um sometimes when i see deathmatch wrestlers do it i love when they do that because it gets the blood going and then you can do the theatrics and it makes sense yeah instead of just hey you're slicing them with the pizza cutter for 40 seconds and no blood happens. nothing fucking comes out yeah and this one i think what the, i did I mean, think one i saw uh it might have been the third rope that he went to but like you did see out of nowhere just a big trickle of blood start dripping down so i was like i kind of got worried yeah. like oh shit maybe he actually did go in a little bit too hard and got some blood that time which is fine it made it look good it wasn't a disaster horrible cut like how no they no. moxie's talked about losing parts of his tongue to this damn pizza cutter so especially with the pizza cutter kind of playing a lot into this rivalry this match i thought um it was cool they did it i think they could have done it better but obviously it's wrestling so i i just wanted to throw in my two cents on that part no no that's fair i'm just saying if you're gonna take it uh if you're gonna actually take glass and show fans and take it to the side and have a camera close up if there's any time to cut a person that's it that's yeah. just what i was thinking i mean if i there's always someone new watching if I brought someone new over here and showed him that, they would probably go, F he didn't even cut him. Yeah. That's the first thing out of his fucking mouth. And guess what? We think <laughs> it too. So yeah. I just wanted to mention that. Um, 16 minutes in, Gage goes through a pane of glass. He was getting beat up pretty fucking bad. Mox was pulling incredible heat while Gage was on the floor drinking water. No lie. That's what I saw. That's what he was doing. He was trying to recoup. He really did take a beating, and I completely understand it. So. It's not easy to do anything for 20 some minutes and he's out there beating ass. So at that point, Stokely Hathaway and Morrissey show up and they decide they're going to interfere. Morrissey comes in and choke slams Mox through barbed wire wrapped pane glass. It was brutal. You tell me what your thoughts are, sir. I love the ending, to be honest with you. I loved mm -hmm. it because... <laughs> Of a lot of things and a lot of stories that they told with that. And even though it might not be GCW specific, it kind of interweaves itself into AEW's programming and stuff like that. So um, I liked it just because MJF kind of does have a history in GCW. Not a history, but he's wrestled for GCW. So yes, I yeah. thought that'd be kind of cooler if he would have came out and it would have been way more of a reaction and would have definitely made waves on the internet 
with wrestling, just in general, kind of like how Cardona and Gage did. Um, him sending the firm who he has hired to uh, take care of business when needed, as they mentioned on AEW programming. I loved having them come out and interfere. And it fits in with Nick Gage as uh, MJF did hire or pick Nick Gage as one of Jericho's labors of Jericho when they were having a feud in AEW. And that got uh, Nick Gage onto AEW programming. So him kind of, this is kind of wrapping that whole story into one of, hey, you did me the favor. You came on my show to beat up Jericho. Here's it might have taken a year and a half to repay that that effort that you did, but mm-hmm. year and a half but later, you got it. Yes, they helping uh, him sending people to help Nick Gage win, and especially over Moxley because obviously I think it's leading up to a Moxley versus MGF in AEW. I loved the crossover. I am a huge fan of crossovers yeah. on almost any part of my life of movies, music, wrestling, any clothing. I love crossovers and having aew people come on to gcw and help nick gage win made sense because if you watch this match and kind of see i hate to say this but like how it's going if nick gage were to win there is no believable at that moment unless he hits him with a miracle choke breaker goes on a crazy spree which could possibly always happen if nick gage were to win would just by doing that i as a fan, a new new watcher, no way. Why did that? He's got his ass kicked for 20 minutes out of the 22-minute match. How is that possible mm-hmm. where, hey, he didn't need the help, even though he kind of did, but he's not going to acknowledge that he needed the help. He's just, hey, I got help. Like It happened. It ain't my fault. Fuck you, Moxley. It's my career. It goes on and on. Maybe we'll catch each other down the road. If like your bitch ass boss lets you or something like that, as he kind of <laughs> mentioned to at the end of this uh, kind of show, uh, at the end of this show, he does make kind of a brief mention to it. But to kind of bring everything full together with that storyline, the different crossover company and Gage kind of needing it to win. I I loved it. I did love it. Um, I just think it would have been better with MJF, but I, there's no shot in hell that's ever happening again. But um. I enjoyed it. Yes, this that I, the the way the match was going, I was not enjoying Nick Gage laying on the ground. Um, I love the cheering. I love the crowd just absolutely cheering the shit for Nick Gage and kind of thinking the way the match is going. Hey, I the, we might lose our king here. It's not looking good. So maybe that Gage. No, maybe, it was not looking good. Yeah, maybe Nick Gage played <laughs> me for a fool. Jesus, like. Maybe he was fine, but just played us all for a fool, thinking that he is not as hurt or as injured or as rusty as what he really is. I don't know. Um, I just wasn't... (laughs) As the match was going on, I was not happy at all. The ending saved it for me, and I did end up leaving, uh, finished watching this event with a smile on my face. And then once again, my Booker thing going, of oh, what if they do this, they this? I'm like, oh, wait, that's not happening no more. This is kind of... Tony Khan's way of, hey, we're going to do this one last thing, but I'm going to be kind of in control of it. And they kind of do make mention of this on um, the Deathmatch, the World of Deathmatch podcast on DCW's Patreon. They came out earlier today. They I did listen to it for a little bit, and they kind of made mention of that's kind of what happened. Um, little break in the fourth wall there they did. So What's that? that? That's it Tony, kind of thing? 
Tony Khan saying that, yeah, like, we're okay. Okay. Since you announced this and I am kind of screwing you and Moxley, I want to make Moxley happy because Moxley could easily say like, no, I'm not signing that contract. Cause like he was working without a contract for AW during all hmm. this crazy times and he's still hmm. doing what he wants to do. So, um, I know Tony Khan kind of like had from what I've heard on the Alex Cologne and J Stephen A podcast was that, uh, Tony Khan kind of had his hands on how that match was going to end, which absolutely makes sense. Seeing it play out in front of me makes perfect sense. I like it. Kind of gets them a little bit, little bit of extra indie buzz. Uh, heading into AEW, like, or we're recording this right now on a Wednesday night of going into Dynamite. So I actually can't wait to see if they they mention during this or not on their broadcast, which I think would be kind of cool. But hearing the contract news with Moxie and Tony Khan, I not think that's happening uh in any foreseeable future but to me i'll talk about this uh at the end but because i don't want to take away from the ending of this match because um i do have one kind of thoughts or question or opinion i do want to say but uh kind of has nothing to do with this match so i'll ask or answer you're gonna talk about you're it gonna afterwards. hope i say it first no you're gonna say it yeah i definitely know okay, you're okay. gonna say what i'm thinking because i i it has nothing to do with this match but just oh, okay, okay. kind of what happens okay so I've 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 polished so many things negative. I will say though that if MJF would have showed up, that really would have heightened his street cred with really hardcore fans. Yeah. I just we would have not expected him to show up and it would have been a treat for the hardcore ones that did come out to sit in that fifty degree weather. That see I've seen him before in GCW. Like I, like I said he's made a couple GCW appearances, um, along with a lot of the AEW roster just in general too. But um yeah, I thought that would have been super cool, but then also there's no shot with MJF. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and I just, my opinion is, is between the two wrestlers there, only one of them looked like a champion and only one of them looked like they could go um, a, another four rounds. I mean, I mean, I'm just being honest. If that was not our beloved Nick Gage and it was somebody else laying on that ground for that long, we would not ask them to come back. We would have booed them out of the damn building and there would have been a bunch of people on Twitter and elsewhere complaining. That's heel. That's heel wolf tonight. I'm dead serious. He did not look, it did not look like a champion. I really thought Gage was losing it, but then we found out about the news and um, I, I, it's, mm -hmm. Without saying anything, it, <clears throat> I, it, dude, it was Ric Flair fucking vibes. Yeah. Hate me. John no. J. Wolf at Twitter. Hate me. I'm dead serious. It did not look good. It did not. It, it just, it didn't make sense. He was damn near dead on that ground for as long as I had mentioned. He had that fish out of water look to his eyes. He was sucking wind. And John Moxley was out there working with himself for a for a quarter of that match. I, I have to tell you what I see. And that's just what we all saw in that ring was what we saw there. So I have to say that he must have been really injured because otherwise I can't see how that would have been considered match ready. So he had to have been blown up from the beginning. And then he went into that match and took a fucking kick to the chest that probably screwed him up bad. And I will tell you that as a fan of Nick Gage, this was not the way I would have wanted to see Nick Gage go out anyway. Yes. So I'm really happy that there are more chances here. I think the most 
I think the most honest thing Gage can do is come out and tell the fans, hey, I got fucking kicked in the chest and that shit hurts so bad, but I pulled out the win. But I will tell you, I'm not happy with that win. That is not the Nick Gage that worked his ass off for half a year to show you my best. That is not my best. The best is yet to come and just wait. And then you would hear probably a lot of people doubt. Hopefully he would use that doubt as something that would fuel him to be better. And I would like to see a healthy gauge because I honestly think we saw 80% less of him for almost six minutes because he just got the wind or something knocked the fuck out of him real hard. And it was dead fucking obvious that he was hurting. And if anybody's seen football or been in football, you know what a guy that has that fish out of water looks like. And you can see when a guy is fucking, you know, sucking wind for air. You can see when a guy has shaky hands and arms what that means. I watched Gage having a hard time at one point getting his arms over his fucking chest. I know what that means. So I was watching that stuff, too. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I didn't. Like, I don't want to make comparisons, but it did have comparisons where I'm like, shit, it was almost a Ric Flair situation where I'm like, oh, this is almost sad. Don't hate me for it. I mean, really, no, no lie. It was like, oh, this is rough. And and it was anyone who watched that, who didn't have some sympathy going and didn't kind of almost feel bad for the way this was turning out would be bullshitting me. It, it just was rough and I don't want to get too much further into it because there was a lot of feel good, but this is not his retirement match in no fucking way. I am. I just, I want to see he's so much more capable and he deserves better. The fans, I'm sure he would want better out of this match. So any fans who may have an opinion and an upset or disagree, that's perfect, perfectly fine. But I have a feeling if you ask Nick Gage, if that was his best foot forward and if he would have not been able to do it any better. And I'm sure he would have said, I would have loved to have done that again, because there were moments there that were not his best. And I'm going to bank on him being injured. But yeah. I mean, at the same time, he won with that fucking choke breaker on Mox. 21 minutes. The fans swarmed the ring. There were MDK chants like crazy. I was happy as fuck because I know we're going to see more Nick Gage. And that made me also feel better because what I saw was not the best Nick Gage. So that gave me hope that the next Nick Gage match is going to be 10 times better than what we saw. The locker room came out of the ring to celebrate. We're getting GCW chants everywhere. Gage thanks the fans for believing in him. Said he couldn't do it without the fans. He puts over GCW again. He says that none of the this shit um it just it just it would all pop i don't have a good way to put it it's mdk all fucking day yeah no <laughs> i agree with you on everything you said there i had similar feelings when he had his match or when he showed up at hammerstein since that was i think the first time we've seen him since he lost last october to uh john moxley the first time and even during that match i he did not look the same but it was very clear like right away in that first minute, couple minutes of the match when he got backdrop to the outside through the floor, he landed a little wrong on his knee and kind of hurt his leg and knee. And yeah, then the rest yeah. of the match, honestly, did not look as bad as kind of how this one went. It, he did fight through it and soldier through it. But even then, I was like, oh, that's kind of like, this sucks that that injury happened during this match because it's probably one of the biggest ones in Nick Gage's career at that time. 
And then we don't see him for the longest time. And then we see him at Hammerstein and he kind of bloated up a little bit and kind of looked out of shape, but he made his return, got his Hammerstein moment, which was cool. But I thought right away, I was like, I hope that's not the Nick Gage we get where he's just coming out and kind of like, hey, I'm not the title holder no more. I don't need to train. I've done this. I'm just going to show up, get my pop and leave. And I, we have proof that that is not as what happened. He has busted his ass as you said for months in the gym with jordan and cole and nick and we've seen the videos and we've seen the physical transformation of his body getting into tremendous shape so he deserves better yes that's my that's me being a heel too but being face here is that he deserved better and he put in the work that's why i'm not fuck yeah he looked bad but it has nothing to do with him being lazy or not trying to look as his old MDK self. He busted his ass in the gym. He looked tremendous. I was looking forward to this match to see what kind of Nick Gage we're getting because I know he's been he worked working. his ass yeah, off. I you know, know he's been he, busting his ass. And exactly as you said, I was interested to see if we're getting the old Nick Gage. And I was kind of hoping for it, but something just seemed off. I don't know what it is. Maybe the with the whole contract thing with Moxley kind of throwing his stuff into like there was a lot of different variables where I say that I didn't enjoy this match because it wasn't Nick Gage's best, but that is no knock on Nick Gage. He busted his ass. He tried his best to put on a great performance for us fans. It's just something didn't click, didn't happen in the rings, or injury happened. Something prevented us from getting peak MDK, and that's where I I do want to make it clear where I was not happy with it. It's not a knock on Gage for being lazy and like just taking the easy way out, collecting a paycheck and collecting the fame and oh, he just deserves better. Yes. It's just something happened where it, all that hard work seemed to be for not based on how the match kind of played out in ring of everything that happened where it wasn't peak gauge. And I just want to stress, it's not a knock on gauge. It's not saying he's lazy and we deserve better as fans. I think he deserves better because he did put in the hard work where it's just, Whatever outside thing happened or in the ring happened to kind of knock that flow off. It's a very unfortunate. It just made it visually tougher to watch, but it's not his fault. Not a knock no. on him. Not a knock on Moxley. I think they did what they best that they could. It just obviously something happened that not let that us see the slide. hard work. Yeah, it could be that. I, I just, to me, to me, yeah, I think that was what it was. Too. And I did I think, notice him shaking, as you said, his hand did was like shaking a little bit more. Yeah, where I yeah. couldn't tell if hey, he legit hurt his hand or he's just trying to do a little selling on it. So, that's, right, that's great work. If it was real or fake, it fooled me. And that's yeah. what wrestling's supposed to do as fans. Yeah, I'm banking on the fact that he got injured. Like I say, I'm sitting here like, oh, I'm dissatisfied. Actually, I'm not dissatisfied. I'm just saying I saw a man down there got the shit kicked out of him and he was hurting. He wasn't able to perform to the level that I know he wanted to. And I'm right there and I agree with him. And that's it. Yep. Yeah. And I think uh, I don't know if you saw the news because we were recording right now. But uh, as we were recording, um, we kind of get to see what Nick Gage Looks like back in the ring, as it was kind of just announced uh, a few minutes ago, that Nick Gage is making his return to the Ukrainian Cultural Center in L.A. And it says returns to action in L.A. Doesn't say who he's going against, but at least we will get to see Nick Gage in action. And hopefully that night we get to see a what we should have saw tonight. Barring so, injury, so when barring is that? anything else. Uh, that is October 29th. 
Oh my gosh, uh, you're going to be yep, there. Yep, the one I'm going oh, to. Oh, 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 oh. So hopefully we hey. get to see uh, Nick Gage at his finest form. Uh, like I said, bar an injury or anything else that could prevent that from Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, that motherfucker probably picked up the phone, called Lauderdale, and said, I need to set this shit straight. That was not my best. And I I love, I guarantee I love you. that attitude. He has to, because otherwise, I mean, first of all, I guarantee you, he hasn't done this in five months. He's fucking sore. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. for him to go, you know what, in two weeks, I'm going to be ready, boss. That was that was not my best. I deserve, they deserve better. And you know what? Again, I don't know. I'm not... I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not trying to read his mind. I'm just saying a couple weeks after this shit went down, he's already wrestling again as, as you know, a fighting champ at this point. So, and I love it. I, think, I love that yeah. part of it. Yeah. I, it's surprising. What you just told me was surprising. I didn't oh, yeah. think we'd see that title defended for months. That's kind of, uh, when, when, uh, when you were going over that one match, I kind of stepped away and like, that's kind of the, what I was reading. I was kind of like, whoa, hmm. we're getting Nick Gage and UCC unexpectedly, which I wow. haven't seen almost until almost a year ago, last October, when I got to see Gage versus Suzuki. So uh, yeah, the LA fans are going to be super wow. pumped and amped for that night. They get, that's the, we haven't seen Nick Gage return in ring. He's, I think he's made a couple entrances or announced, uh, done announcing uh, in the UCC since then, but we haven't seen him in action in, since that match with Suzuki. So uh, yeah, that's one good forward thing to look forward to. Um, we did, we, they, the next night Nick Gage does make a, another little speech and stuff like that. So we will cover that on night two, but um, no in ring action happened on night two, but the, <clears throat> workings of who is next in line for the gcw tight world title i think happened the next night i am not 100 sure look on my camera what does that say can you see what that says right there who is in the title hunt i was getting ready to ask you who do you think are the three people in the title hunt right now and i have to remove unfortunately one of my top uh, people that I thought were in the hunt, Orton Oliver with that lost aggression kind of hurts, and my and just just and storyline and making wins and losses matter with that loss it kind of hurt him. I think that big win would have made him improve, but um, uh, seeing the landscape that we have right now, I want to see Drew Parker would be a very nice uh, matchup. Uh, one I did not say, I've been saying Joey and Mance, and they're still up there, but I totally skipped this name, and I haven't said his name being in the title picture in a few months, and I mm -hmm. don't know why, and it just, it makes me feel disrespectful, it's even admitting it and saying it, but uh, Alex okay. Cologne, he is, okay. he's supposed to have two different title matches, supposedly. Um, I think I know of one reason why, like, I think they announced a match versus Nick Gage, but something happened. I don't know if it was COVID or anything, but that match has never happened. So he never did get his title match against, uh, not Moxie, I'm sorry, Gage. And um, there was, I guess, another time, I guess they were, they were talking about it on today's podcast, ironically. So that's what, when I, like, when I heard him mention that, I'm like, I don't think this was before we recorded. I was like, yeah, I, last couple of times I've been saying Drew, Jordan, Joey, Mance. Totally disrespecting Alex Cologne, who is right up there, would wow. have a good, great match with Moxley or have a great match with Nick Gage. So, um, hmm. and kind of knowing that John Wayne Murdoch is hurt and might be, uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out of action for or anything, but it would be kind of nice seeing if Alex Cologne can't defend the DCW tag 
titles with John Wayne Murdoch and would kind of see him kind of get that moment to shine and get his title match because we know he has still mentioned he's plans on taking a break here through the holidays and stuff like that. So it would be kind of nice before Alex Cologne leaves. We get to see Nick Gage versus Alex Cologne because who knows in a couple months what Nick Gage is going to look like in the ring in a couple months and who knows how Alex, long Alex Sloan is going to be gone. So once again, just take advantage of the moment. Book that ma match while you can now because even though the workings are happening where you might be losing one or both competitors here soon. So I think it would be pretty cool to see Cologne and Gage. Uh, I think now that I'm yeah. talking about a lot seeing it in LA because Alex Cologne never really wrestles in LA. He's I think I saw him once in the last year or two wrestle in LA. That was um yeah, I don't want to mention the wrestler's name, but it was a fun death match and that was probably one of the death matches best Beth Oh my god. Yeah, we're getting long in this. <laughs> the episode. best death matches? My speaking today has been bad today. <laughs> well, you've heard me. I've had to just say fuck it and move on <laughs> to the next sentence. <laughs> best death match I have seen in the UCC was with Alex Cologne. And um yeah. I think that would be a cool little story. And obviously the LA fans would if they announce that, I tell you right now, whatever tickets they have left, I guarantee you it will be sold out before because the LA crowd's just dying for the ultra violence. And <clears throat> you put give them Nick fucking gauge and Alex Cologne. But if they can't bitch again for the longest time get that match because that's a match that nobody else has gotten so i think that'd be really cool seeing mm -hmm. kind of that moment uh happen okay so i actually put cardona as my first and i think unless cardona has the belt cardona may always be my first his popularity his look um what he brings with his internet presence i think that uh out of name value alone cardona for me will always be in the run in the top two always because he's just the threat i could see him coming in there taking that bitch and keeping it for quite a while and i'll be honest with you i think he's gonna take it from gage one day here soon and i'm shocked he didn't kind of make an appearance in the match. that was kind of my uh yeah thinking that he would kind of get involved in that way because of he has a storyline with both of them lately so so out of popularity alone, I would put Effie in here, but I'm not because Effie is so over. He doesn't need a belt. I'm True. just going to say that right up That's front. Great point. I don't know why it's like it's like he's his own large firework. There is no reason to blow off two at one time. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I what like would it. be the point? So I think for in that point, that's almost like let's keep one firework for here and let's keep one firework for here because we only have two. Love that. So. Yeah, so I look at that that way with him. My second, I'm going to stay with Jordan just based on the fact that he has such a high amount of matches. He's still willing to lose. His win-loss record is not fantastic. He's constantly learning. He is in the gym every day with the champion. Might be a hint. I'm not 100% sure. Also, yeah, plenty of when it comes to my third right oh my gosh could you imagine <laughs> they put a storyline where he's doing his fucking uh like he's just over there on the bench and he's just working the bench and all of a sudden someone just kind of pushes the bar down on his chest you feel the okay, that's horrible. coming down on you yeah yeah <laughs> it's time to go old man yes uh, and uh, i've been okay. secretly trained okay yeah we're gonna dive too far into no, no, no. <laughs> so then i don't i don't I had a third person, but I don't want to mention it. But my number three is a two-way tie between Mance. And because it's been so... See, 
I just fucked myself. My my second was going to be Joey Janela, but he's like Effie. He doesn't need a championship. Yep, I agree. And That's why my, I have I, those are like two of my three that I said, and I, I, yeah. I like your thinking too because that's what I kind of always been saying lately with these part timers, like in these bigger companies. Bring mm-hmm. in Brock, absolutely bring him in once, three, four times a year. Don't put him in the damn title picture. He doesn't need to be like that. Doesn't no, elevate he anything. doesn't need that shine. Exactly, he's going to be a special attraction main event star without the belt. Let him help raise the notoriety and popularity of another wrestler that obviously might need it and let the other wrestlers that are wrestling for the belt fight for that and get the popularity that way. Like, as you said, I really like that analogy of two fireworks. Like you don't need to have one grand finale. You could have two awesome finales, not one grand one. Yeah. You'd have two awesome finales. So I love that uh, analogy you did there. So here's one for you since we already kind of worked through this one. Um, I'm going to give you some names. And I want to know what title you'd put them on. And I'm going to show you that we may have a hole in our title pictures. Okay. If you were to put a title on, let's just say, Hoodfoot, what would you put him on? Okay, great. Right? So what about Joey Janela if you had to put a title on him? They already have one on him. You can agree or you can change it. It's up to you. Ah, I don't want to spoil the next show you know you're not doing anything. Nope. We're not doing a damn thing at all. We're just talking titles. Um, I don't I wouldn't mind seeing him in a in the world title or as the DDT extreme title holder. I like okay. that because his matches tend to get extreme. I think I, good, and good. that's kind of where I like I think I know where I won't I'll let we'll play it out. I want to see if I'll, I'm right where you're going or here or not. Because if so, I okay. have talked about this in the past. Okay. So what about Gringo Loco? What would you uh, put a title on him at? Extreme title? Okay. What about Deppen? Ah. Uh huh. Uh huh. That this, yeah. I think we're we're going down the road. I think. Uh huh. I I would. There's a hole in the championship where there may have to be a title made that goes towards the lightweight or the middle weight division which can't really happen so maybe we need to have an ic style title or possibly a european like we have to have a title under the championship we need a secondary title that has nothing to do with violence just like the championship really has nothing to do so what i'm saying is we need one clean title that deppen can hold we need one clean title that zane could hold you know um nick wayne could hold um we need one of those i don't care if it's a 24 7 style i don't care because let's be honest these guys could cut film on their phone 24 7 title could kind of be gcw is an anywhere kind of fucking town i don't or they're kind of a company i don't understand why that couldn't go down shoot five minutes in the back of an alley somewhere some gets someone gets fucking tapped out on a bus but I know that's way too. But <clears throat> Rocky Romero, Gringo Loco, Tony Deppen, Commander. I mean, just because they can flip, we can't always give them a scramble. But I can tell you, they can do more than flip some of these guys. And there should be a, I don't want to say a pure title, ah, but something that, close that, that, to that. Yep, you took I can feel thought. the wave. That, nope, that's where we were yeah. going. That's where I was thinking too, once you were starting going down there. We need something for these quote unquote uh, traditional wrestlers. Kevin Blackwood would work in that kind of a spot. That's kind of when I go back to when we first started this podcast. And like I said, I have changed my mind on what I originally thought, but I still think there is a 
place for that idea to be kind of fully fleshed out by better, bigger and better bookers, quote unquote, Brett. But um, that's where I think the title differentiation and when I was saying the scramble, get rid of the extreme, either make it the get rid of either extreme or ultra violent. I wanted to get rid of the extreme just because, hey, like, what's the difference between extreme and ultra violent? You could kind of nitpick here and there, but if they're both going on at the same time, what is honestly the difference between those two belts? So I was thinking maybe come, maybe five weapons. I mean, what really would it be? Think about it. Maybe five weapons. Tubes, like, literally, yeah, the light yeah. tubes. So um, that's where I kind of wanted to see more differentiation with that, with the belts, because I think the world could always be a hybrid. When the situation calls, it could get ultra violent. If the situation between these two competitors and Joey and Nick Wayne, or sorry, Jordan and Nick Wayne, let's say one day, they don't need to get violent if they choose to awesome it's for the world title who cares if they just have a one-on-one match with no weapons going to be fantastic if it's for the belt so i think that i always said the world title should be kind of like a hybrid um either yeah get rid of extreme or ultra violent in my opinion i wanted to get rid of extreme turn that into the scramble belt and now we have oh what like just as new fans What's it? We just had an extreme match earlier. What does this mean? Ultra violent? Is this going to be more violent? And now you got to live right. up to expectations right. where you're limiting, limiting the extreme. The competitors are wrestling for the extreme title if they're wrestling on the same night that ultra violence going. Like you can't have the extreme title be more crazy and violent than the ultra violent stuff. So because what does that say about the other title? Exactly. Yep. That's what I was going to say. Like you limit, you're limiting whoever's title's going on first. If it's the ultra violent titles first and the extreme better get extreme and more violent than ultra violent. If the extreme titles being defended before ultra violent, then ultra violent needs to step up and be more crazier than the extreme title. So I, that's why I just think they're kind of the same thing in my book. You could just combine them. And then I, I always said scramble. I, if you don't want to do a scramble, I get it. As you said, add in a quote unquote something traditional title pure title come up with a create like i mean they've done creative shit all the time they could come up with a creative catchy name to make this belt say like hey this is for this is going to have this set of rules and i know they don't even have any rules at all like it's everything's up to the referee it's all discretionary the referee can right, decide right. if they want to enforce ta- enforce tags <laughs> or not they can enforce a i, I saw a dq once and i like i was like blown away it was uh, Jacob Fatu brought in like a the a, just a giant pipe, and then they they were dequeuing him. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you guys dequeuing him for? Like, some guy could commit murder with thumbtacks and light tubes and gusset plates and pizza cutter, but a lead pipe is too much. Where we get a disqualification, like yeah. that one blew we my mind. We see people pull knives. Exactly. <laughs> Like that, at our yeah. show, Allie pulled a knife. I mean, yeah, she's done that. Yeah, oh, the lead pipe. Well, you know, there is lead poisoning. Oh, geez. could be lead poisoning. You oh, hey, what hey, about mercury hey. poison? But the spooky. Oh dose. fuck! That's <laughs> oh my god. You know what? I still have so many questions about that, but I'm sure the wrestlers do too. I'm sure that we probably will all learn that a little bit of that won't hurt us, but I'm sure no one's going to drink it yeah, anytime right. soon. Somebody's going to try to snort it backstage. Yeah, but so, I, I agree with everything that you were saying, though, like where you're going with it, because it does is it leaves a hole for a wrestler like Jordan, like Blake, like Deppin, like Deppin, like. OK, so, so what I'm saying is we're, we're OK. This happened in the WCW until they kind of figured an answer out for it. But 
this was the place where our modern day Dean Malenko, Jericho, um, and Eddie Guerrero would kind of be brushed aside because they're not big enough to um, to have the to have the championship title. You know, since Deppen isn't six two or six foot, they're like, well, we'll just keep him here. You know, he's he's a damn good wrestler. He deserves at some time to get a, at some time to get a title run. I just don't know when. I think having that one belt changed into some type of a a different belt would um would really also i think boost the morale of quite a few of the other wrestlers if they know that uh they might be able to grab a title now they're gonna some of these guys may look around and go hey maybe there's one for me now yep they're they're gonna be motivated they're like hey that belt has my name written all over it i will take that to great places now you got all this talent more motivated and stuff like that um, I thought of, instead of like the X division, I I don't like weight limits. I don't like the weight limit parts because then now you're booking yourself even even to more of a freaking hole. But right, right. I like the whole X division stuff where it's a style of wrestling. So I what I don't know when you were talking about. It, I was like, we needed a catchy name. Hey, instead, uh, this ain't catchy. This is awful. We could play the da 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 awful jokes or the loser game show shout, whatever you want to play. Yeah. Instead of the X division, the G division. The G division, know. just no, no, the G just, division, something. They, they gotta, like, I just think that could be happening. Not like, well, I, I, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is if you're, if you're looking at a deathmatch thing, you've got, you know, the ultra violent and the extreme, you know, um, okay, so one is a little less violent than the other. Yeah. So the problem that I'm having here is we're in the kitchen, and here comes the hamburger king. And then 25 minutes later, here comes the steak king. What does that say about the hamburger guy when the steak king can do all that shit the hamburger guy can, plus a bunch of other shit? That's why we're talking. Oh, that's why I'm saying the titles overlap. Yeah. Now, why in the hell should we have two guys that are deathmatch guys and, and we have Tony Deppin sitting over there gatekeeping and enhancing people? Like that guy does not deserve a run somewhere. He's a fucking fantastic heel. He's got a champion mentality in him. I would love to see something strapped on him, but I don't think there should be only two options. Either you be the champion or you have to get fucking shit busted over your head. Exactly. You're putting these wrestlers like, like Blake Christian. I've always used Jordan as an example, but now I guess the newest one is Blake Christian. Yeah. You're in the world title match against John Moxley. Awesome, amazing, good for you. You're going to kill it. But guess what? You're going to have to deal with shit that you've never done before. Light, I didn't bust out light tubes, I don't think, that match. But barbed wires, doors, chairs. You're going to have to deal with all this stuff that, as a wrestler, you what we've come to love from you is none of that stuff. But now you're forcing that wrestler into a place that's not their home, where they're not mostly comfortable with. And that's... I. Honestly, I was going to ask you this, but it's going to answer my own question. Like, what was one of the worst Blake's matches you've seen in this late last run? The match with Moxley. Exactly. He looked completely outmatched. Yeah, and it looks and, kind of like out of character. place. I'll, I'll tell you what was out of place was telling him he's a bad guy and then sending him out as a good guy. Yep, that's it. It was like it was like watching a Superman movie and then you find out Lex Luthor is the good guy in this one. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I subscribed to see this. Yep. 
and then you show me this and hey that's no problem but none of it was explained none of it was booked out in the match as such and none of it went over and ever since then this crowd has had a fucking problem with blake so i'm thinking that's the big deal there but if not it's a two-headed it's always going to be a two-headed monster or more it's never always one reason yeah so people are probably upset that he's got you know everybody likes the starving artists we talked about this a while back sometimes when these guys go up higher i mean what's going to happen effie's going to get watered down and there goes the elton john music oh great that's just wonderful all right well how's uh how's speedball going to come out without brass monkey like you know this is the yeah. they are, they're known for this and it gets watered down they're going to tell speedball oh, slow down God, at yeah. some point but like we're going to throw speedball into a match with john moxley with thumbtacks and or Nick Gage, sorry, not Moxie no more, but Nick Gage. Like, Speedball's yeah. up there. Like, I I, <laughs> I think he's... Heck, the only reason I never say his name as being one as these wrestlers to wrestle for the world titles just because the stylistically, it's not good for him. Yeah. I think in-ring-wise, popularity-wise, the quality of matches he's been having, good luck finding anyone better right now because it's going to be hard. So... He's very much proven he's deserving of it, but it kind of limits it. Like, like I said, yeah, I know yeah. they don't have rules. It doesn't, oh, it doesn't have to be crazy. Okay, now you're going to have Nick Gage in a one-on-one match with Speedball without light tubes or any of that stuff, or you add it. Like, you're going to hurt one wrestler or the other. I, I right. loved your idea of, yeah, like making it uh, a belt for everybody under traditional yeah. rules. Like, so think about it. Yeah, Deppin's going to go, all right, I have to beat Gage or I'm going to have to be an extreme or an ultraviolet kind of guy. And that's not me. I like wrestling. I like to actually put on a show. I like to give the basics. I Not the basics, but I like to go back to fundamentals and uh, tell a story. And that's exactly what he does. And then here comes the personality that's fantastic. And he will not be looked at. It just he won't. It just seems like those kind of wrestlers, the Greshams, the Leo Russians, Speedballs, the top of the like fucking super talented wrestlers aren't ever wrestling for anything meaningful. They're just putting on dream matches, which I guess is cool. And they're all our favorites. Exactly. They're all our favorites. Like, so it's cool seeing them in these dream matches that we're not going to see anymore. But if we're going to see as much as we have like with Speedball or when Leo Rush was more consistently in GCW and same thing with Gresham where it's like, if they're going to be around here, it would be nice to make these matches mean something other than bragging rights on a dream match. There are spots for dream matches. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't just always has to be these people. I just think they need to add on. As you said, I liked your, like the thinking there, because that's what I've kind of always had with the extreme title since we started this podcast, turn it into a scramble. Yeah, so yeah. That was always my thoughts of rewarding those wrestlers that, I mean, kind of don't fit into kind of the whole GCW aspect once it comes into title pictures. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. They could put on awesome, amazing scrambles, but how can you reward them to have a nice payoff with the crowd? So it's well, something that we... That's, oh, good. No, I was just going to say, like, professionally in Deppin's position, where can he go higher? He comes out, he earns his paycheck. That be that. There's no incentive to move forward. When's his gauge match? I mean, these things are, you know, and and off the top of my head, there's quite a few that I'm I'm putting real next, real close next to Deppin, who are kind of middle-sized guys who are fantastic at their job. They could absolutely hold their own weight if they're asked to. 
But just because of one thing or another, they're just not in that title hunt. You put Blake up against uh, Moxley. Boy, was that a difference. Both. However, however, absolutely. However, if you would have Blake versus Deppin for a intercontinental title, then boy, would that look good. Not only that, but it would make more of the guys who are around the same size, you know, match up a little more with each other. And no one would know the better as long as the heavyweight, you know, as long as the championship doesn't meet up against the IC championship. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we talked about it before talking about now. This that's going to be a conversation that we will have plenty down the line because yeah, interesting because there's so much they could do or we think they should do. That makes sense. But uh, I got one. I got one. You ready? Yeah. Here's something that I'd like to see GCW eventually kind of absorb into their roster. A promo-driven character. Cardona. Sorry. <laughs> Other yeah. than Cardona, yeah. though, there's not really. Yeah. No, that's, but that's what I'm looking yeah. at. A promo-driven character. I'd, I would love to see that. I love, the, uh, I love the artistic side, so I would like to see the... Uh, what was a good word I was going to use for it? The creativity. So I'm yeah. looking forward to the creativity. I Yeah, I definitely would like to see a little bit more promo. It doesn't have to be no 10, 15-minute Raw style. It, give him oh, the gosh, mic, no. make, make a point, make a statement, boom, bing, get out of there, or do it on social media where it's not taken away from the crowd and in-ring guy. Like, there is a but given thing. Yeah. Like, obviously, when I go to wrestling, I don't want to hear someone talk all the time, but I wouldn't mind yeah. hearing, hey, why are you going into this match real fast? Quickly do it. Or, I, hey, I'm in line waiting to get in the show. I could see something pop up on social media, so... Um, so it's like talk shows, you know, you have certain people that you like to watch. It would be really nice if you could hear them sit down and, and just have a conversation for a while. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, very fun night though for fight club. Obviously there's, as we just talked about, there's a lot of places they could go now, which is always a fun feeling because always it's nice to be surprised and have unexpected things happen. And we saw quite a few of that tonight. And, uh, I think in the future we will be seeing a lot more, uh, surprises and entertaining storylines and in-ring action to go on, especially in Fight Club Night. Uh, going into the memorable moments of Night 1. John, I'll let you go ahead and do it first. Joke. All right, so my first memorable moment, I love seeing a well-done promo. Thank you for putting together that well-done promo. Whoever done it did an excellent job. I hope they do more work again in the future. The beautiful ocean backdrop was so fantastic. I hope to see it again more. And um, I would, it's almost like Bash at the Beach. I would really love to see it um, be a situation where every so often, as long as weather permitting, they have a little, a little thing out there. Light tube dust looks fantastic against the night sky. I had to mention it again. Leo Rush being back. I really shouldn't have taken that one. I knew that was yeah. coming for you, too. Right. I think uh, you can. That's OK. I'm sure you want to maybe even talk about that a little. Really good tag team death match that went down. And then lastly, Gage winning the championship back. I'm really curious to see where it goes after this. I was really rough on this match because I can guarantee you when he went back to the locker room, he was probably just as, oh, well, you know how it is. You're rougher on yourself than everybody else is. I'm not being rough to hurt feelings. I'm being rough like this is what I saw. I believe the man was injured. 
I believe he's capable of better. I know he's capable of better. I've seen 10 times better. He worked his ass off for half a year. He deserves better. And I think that we have the best to come. It's just he probably got the shit kicked out of him just for a moment on that baseball slide. But again, that's my opinion. But I think the man changed after that. And uh, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because that man gives a fuck. And we are GCW fans. So that means that we're behind him 100%. So when I talk about the match being what it was, the match was like that because just dude got the wind took out of him there is what I'm thinking. And that can happen. I've seen Super Bowl champions get, get the wind knocked out of them or get hit in the chest too hard. And it takes some shit sometimes. 10 minutes 15 minutes to come back onto the field this dude sitting in the ring trying to perform trying to catch his air trying to not hurt so i have to give him credit for that too he didn't deserve this he deserved better and i know better will come out of nick gage yeah i agree with you uh it's very nice having the belt back home back around the king um because just even if it's for one match, even I just think it would be they have a they opened up a lot of more stories and investments for people to get invested in and to see like who's gonna have the next challenger. We I kind <laughs> of see it the next night. We I don't know if we actually do or not, but um, just seeing him now as they announced him for UCC, it's very gonna be nice seeing a GCW champion in two weeks back on my screen and that world title back out there for everyone to kind of chase after and get the motivation to dethrone the king and now you opened up a lot more storylines a lot more matches that could happen so i do like how they gave themselves a lot of wiggle room with this booking it is sad that it sounds like we're not going to see moxie for a while um because i do i really do like seeing him and it's i thought it was so awesome seeing him in a gcw ring hopefully they could uh figure that situation out but obviously with the independence and the bigger wrestling companies, it's going to be a lot harder to. Um, another memorable moment. The first thing, seeing Leo rush back. Um, just to see if they're going to go with Blake. Is he won this match? Is he going to be going against Moxley? Or sorry, that's going to be weird now. So getting saying Gage as a champion. Um, is he going to go against Gage as Gage as a champion? What's what is in store for Leo Rush here? How long is he? Is he going to be around here? Is he going to show up to more shows? Or is he going to take another couple weeks off or months off as he did between LA and tonight <laughs> fight club, which kind of sucked, but um, I, I will never take for granted seeing him on my screen because he's super talented and I very much enjoy watching him wrestle. Um, uh, Gresham with a pretty big victory over Jordan. I liked it. Um, kind of cemented himself as being a part of the GCW, hopefully main, not main roster, but getting up there in the title pictures. Uh, seeing a lot of new faces, Skywalker, Yamoto, and Shota. I would definitely want to see more of them. Just in general, Skywalker and Yamoto, mm-hmm. I definitely want to see all the time. Shota, I would like to see him given another chance to show us what he really is capable of. Los Macisos against Cole Radrick and Joey Janela. Fun, entertaining, dangerous, violent match. Loved it. Same thing, Drew Parker and Rena going against Cologne and Tremont. Surprised with the Tremont. Very awesome seeing the violence of these four competitors um, because ah, they're fun to watch. And once again, Nick Gage, MDK, bringing back the ho- title home, trying to see where they go from. Yeah. <laughs> but, I got I to gotta shake off the heel now. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, I, I'm going to be watching your comments here on this one. <laughs> no, oh my gosh! Wait, it's always. I was actually very it's all good. 
Yeah. Plus the fact that I made sure that, you know, I told the truth. This is what I saw and I didn't do it for harm. I did it because this is what I saw. And I made sure I did the benefit of the doubt by saying, man, that the guy's injured. I mean, yeah. fuck, I can't take two fucking, you know, boots to the chest. So the I'm just tubes? enjoying the entertainment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let alone light tubes. So that will wrap it up for GCW Fight Club Night 1. Uh, night 2, a lot of very fun matchups there. Uh, if you like Drew Parker, Rena, and Los Vecisos as I do, you will be very uh, happy with our with Fight Club Night 2. As yeah. uh, some form of, well, some way or another, they all kind of have matches against each other. Uh, we do get to see Joey Janela and Cole Radrick settle their differences in a extreme extreme title versus extreme title match which was kind of fun and that made sense after the ending on night one um and yeah there's night two act a very good punch as night one did and night two was very enjoyable we will cover that on our next podcast yes uh before we head out you want to say any last words to our listeners out there, John? I'm thankful for everyone. This is really awesome. People have been kind. People have been listening. And um, we're doing it for the love and we're getting love back. And yes, I, w- I have one little announcement is we did break the 900 listener mark uh, oh, nice. during this episode as we were right there right before we called it or started uh, recording this podcast. We were so close and we did break that. So Nice, fun seeing the milestones happen while we're recording. Gives us the motivation. So thank you all out there for listening. Thank um, you. I know we got like uh, a lot of people listening in uh, LA, San Jose, Atlantic City, Texas. As you said, we've kind of gone across the pond in Liverpool. That's, yeah. That was our most popular episode. Was Brothers and sisters across yeah. the fucking oceans. You guys definitely stepped up and that uh, GCW, I think it was versus TNT episode is... Uh, <laughs> already our number one most listened to and it's kind of blew up so fast where these other ones have been out for a while so uh yes thank you out there liverpool fans and it's been cool seeing as we as we before the show seeing all the different places we're being listened to so uh we do want to just say once again as we always do thank you for listening we do appreciate it we hope you're enjoying it please don't ever if you have any comments or questions that you would like us to answer please hit us up on twitter i know it's been a while since we set our twitter account so i am at uh B from GCW Plant Podcast. It's at GCW Plant Cost Plant Podcast. You can find <laughs> and uh, uh, yep, go ahead. And I'm I'm over there too. If you have any complaints, send that shit over there. No, 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 no. I'm no. just kidding. No, no, no. No, you ain't getting me all. <laughs> no, just no. Yeah, John J Wolf. You can find me over at Twitter. You can just say hello or whatever you want to do. I talk to pretty much everybody that comes through as long as they're not a bot. Uh, and he will add, oh. add heel to his name after this episode. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. He's been fun. We do appreciate it. Um, I can't wait to cover night two as like night one was very fun to cover tonight. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. A uh, lot more holes being uh, opened up for, and for us to talk yeah. about, see what's going to fill yeah. those holes because I that's what makes wrestling so fun for us is seeing what where the action is going to take us and where the stories are going to lead us to. And uh, there's a lot of possibilities out uh, after night one and night two. There's even more. So it's going to be fun to cover ECW Fight Club night two. Um, we did talk about it real fast before we ended here. JCW show kind of might be mixed in with the GCW Sediment Series show as they kind of uh, sprung, one us on, sprung a show on us 
uh, earlier a couple days ago that was kind of unannounced and unexpected. So for the sake of our own sanities and for the sake of kind of staying on track of these podcasts as we're kind of getting there now, um, we might just combine JCW's versus the world. Just in time for the next one. Yeah, right? Right? Like, <laughs> we, it's like we finished. Oh, shit. We got three more to do. So uh, yeah. just for the sake of that stuff, we might just combine that into the settlement series part. Are they four or five now? Four. four yeah. So. Yeah, and I haven't even watched it yet because we've been recording this and it kind of was sprung up on us midweek, which is, yeah, seems yeah. like the next couple shows are going to be midweek. And I'm hoping by the end of that series, as we kind of talked about off podcast, it will lead us to some very exciting news for GCW mm-hmm. fans out there trying to get your hands on more GCW content and kind of catch up like historically uh, of what's been kind of going on and checking out fun past GCW shows. So uh, a lot of fun stuff GCW's got as always. They're just, not only just busting out the shows but giving us fans what we want and giving us surprises so uh, it's going to be fun covering it pretty much the rest of the year in my opinion is what it's looking on behalf of myself and Mr. Heel John J. Wolf (laughs) we uh, thank you all for listening and we will catch you for GCW Fight Club night 2 and as always, always long, long live G C W W. Ooh. <laughs>